from the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. <laughs> hey, we got a John Sandy laugh to start out the show. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Your new favorite podcast, of course, The Superiority Complex, uh, coming to you every week. Uh, we're sardonically irreverent on the show. This show has been described as sardonically irreverent by none other than uh, yours truly. That is how I describe the show every week. Guess what, everybody? Uh, Patrick and Justine had to work this week, but it's okay because we have a special guest for a second week in a row. Our our new friend, uh, Calais. Hey, everybody. Howdy hi. I love the howdy hi. When did you adopt this as an official greeting? Because that's how you um, say hello. I used to work at a little breakfast place that was all Southern themed. Uh-huh. And so when I would greet my tables, I'd say, howdy, hi, y'all. It's a great day here at the shop. What are we drinking? <sighs> Let me tell you something about, hey, y'all, my television wife, as people, have, followers of the show will know, I have many wives among them, amongst them, number one, always in my heart, Miss Selma Hayek. Um, I know she's married, but we, I'll just put the Miz on there. Uh, <clears throat> and then of course, uh, you know, there's several others. There are many others, but, uh, my television wife currently starring in the show, white Lotus, uh, Connie Britton and, uh, Connie Britton's probably most famous role was the wife, uh, on, um, on, I can't remember her name, which is awful to say, just called her the wife, uh, on uh, Friday night lights. And she was famous for saying, Hey y'all. As a matter of fact, there's a super there's a super cut online somewhere. You could just if you type in Connie Britton, hey y'all, it's just every hey y'all from that show. Oh, she's the mom in American Horror Story. Yes, yes, yes. Ooh, I see. Connie Britton. I see now. Mm-hmm. So that's what it reminds you of when you say hey, howdy hi. It reminds you of Connie Britton going, Hey y'all. It's kind of hey, nice. Y'all. What was your favorite thing to eat at that restaurant? Was it biscuits and gravy? Crab cake benedict. Oh man, that sounds delicious. Delicious, my favorite. I went in on my birthday and got it. It was incredible. That sounds decadent. <laughs> crab cake Benedict, also a great gamer tag. I'm not gonna lie, that'd be a great crab, gamer. Crab t- cake Benny. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like so a this good- was like this was Southern food. Yeah, Southern food, lots of country fried steak, country fried yeah. chicken. Oh uh, yeah. John and I would just go in there food. and have heart attacks at the table. I had chicken fried steak yesterday for breakfast. I first time I'd been out of the house in a week since the operation, so I went to Jack's. I had a chicken fried steak with gravy and uh, and uh, home fries. Oof. Oh, John, I'm glad you brought it up. I was going to wait till I introduced you, but I was going to ask you how are you feeling? You had your uh, your surgery a week ago, hernery's her, yeah. hernery hernia surgery, <laughs> is what yeah. I want to say. Yes, umbilical hernia surgery. Yeah, it it, it went <laughs> fine, and it took about a week. To kind of get back to normal where I could, you know, uh, it was kind of first couple of days. It's kind of hard just getting up and <laughs> into a chair, out of a chair. But now uh, yesterday I, I'm back to driving. And uh, the main the main thing I can't do is lift. They said no lifting for like six weeks. Uh, no lifting. So they just said, just take it easy. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just about back to normal as far as the way I feel. I'm just trying not to overdo it. So, yeah, first day. Yeah, driving yesterday was the first day I got behind a wheel. Hadn't been out of the house in like seven days. So I'd been eating really boring food 
you know, they wanted you to eat bland, you know, like soup and yogurt and jello. So yesterday I went for a follow-up appointment and as soon as I was done, my buddy Alex and I went to Jack's and promptly ordered a chicken fried steak with uh, gravy and, uh, your your, oh, your your body was felt probably felt so betrayed because their your body was probably like finally we're eating stuff we can digest and then yeah, and I, you, lost, <laughs> I think I lost about eight or nine pounds. Hey, so good I for you, man. I better uh, yeah. So I think the thing to do is maybe eat a meal like that once a week and not <laughs> do it all the time. Right. Once a week, go out and eat something. Really sure. Moderation. Have, have yourself Indeed. a cheat day, man. Have yourself a cheat day. Treat yourself. Everything in moderation. Get a chicken so, fried. Get a chicken fried double double at In and Out, and just do. Let's <laughs> go crazy, man. <clears throat> treat yourself. Yeah. Best day of the year. Yeah. Jake's here, drinking an energy drink. That is the last yes. thing we need. No, it's fine. Especially Good. since we're going to be talking about, about musical 10, theater. Minutes, I'm going to be buzzing. Is it a monster? Monster. No, he's drinking the. No. Uh, is it the Alani? No, um, this, this show is brought to you by no Alani uh, New. Yeah, that's good stuff. Two hundred milligrams. No sugar. Uh, uh, caffeine. No sugar. No sugar. That's my thing. I yeah, don't. I, I don't like. Uh, I don't like the like super sugary. I drink those. Drinks. I drink those. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's it called, Jake? Alani New. Mm-hmm. You see him at Target. I see him a lot at Target. Um, like a Hawaiian name or. I don't know. Aulani is actually the Disney resort, it's good, though. but it's spelled it's good, a little though. differently. You know. 200 milligrams of caffeine. It's got niacin, B6, B12, yeah. biotin, potassium. Mm-hmm. Potassium is to eat a banana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole banana. In this Always pit. get your vitamins chemically. No, don't don't mm-hmm. use don't eat, don't get them organically. Get your vitamins mm-hmm. chemically in you a mix. You don't need the fiber. The, you don't need that. No, God, no. What John is giving us the thumbs down. No, I'm trying to prop this thing up because uh, it broke. There we go. Oh, you look great, man. That looks even better far away. Now, now you look like <laughs> you look like uh, uh, you look like Charles Foster Kane or something. Now, <laughs> Jesus, you got the power angle. We're looking up at you. Yeah. <clears throat> Don't you know who I am? I'm Charles Foster Kane. Uh, do me a favor, Jake, and if you can, I f- I sent you guys the list of the. Uh, I just got them. They just as we were coming to 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 get together to get on the show, I got the list for uh, the twenty the, the twenty twenty three nominees for um for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I want to send shoot that over to uh, to Calais if you can. Um, all of these, of course, were around before, well before she was born. But she'll, she's, she, she knows music. She can still uh, participate. And the white not- stripes, the white stripes is on that list. And what I realize is, to be nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you've got to have, they have to, I think, count twenty five years back to your first uh, recording. Well, it would be ninety eight. It was ninety seven. Oh, okay. So maybe they didn't get in on the first ballot. Sometimes mm-hmm. there are bands that still haven't gotten in, but. Um, uh, sometimes, like Nirvana bands like that, they get in on the first ballot. Mm. I'm telling you, man. Price Sound Soundgarden's not in yet. That's kind of amazing. Shall, uh, shall I read? Shall I read? Do you want? Do you want to shoot it over to? You want to shoot it over to her, and then we'll go over it. We'll go over them one by one. I just sent. I just sent it. You you got it to Kalei? Uh, uh, are you able to see that? I'm hunting in my inbox now. Wow. The oh, I sent it to. I sent it to your phone. I can. My phone. 
the fin. Yeah. yeah. Could you email it to me? That'd be more convenient. Absolutely. Does your dog um, But however, um, first, first, uh, first on the list there is a tribe called Quest. Now that would have been my first pick until I went farther down the list. So it's always tricky when you when you're putting hip hop groups in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, but there are no other, there is nowhere else for them to go. I mean, at what, NWA's in there? Um, right. I think uh, there's a lot. Uh, pretty much it's, they might as well call it uh, musicians from the rock and roll era. Because you've got ABBA in there, you've got Madonna. Right. You've got people that are, you got Dolly Parton. A lot of people that aren't necessarily rock and roll, so they should just call it the pop music hall of fame. Right. Right, uh, and if we're talking, I mean, if you, you know, an influence beyond just hip hop. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Tribe Called Quest has to be in there, one of the most influential hip hop groups of all time. But again, uh, and, and really kind of just um, changed the genre itself, and also were kind of um, they were they were running kind of counter to what was popular in hip hop at the time. You know, mm-hmm. you know, the '90s were like, you know, it was it was. You know that was the emergence of gangster rap, and and Trap Called Quest was just doing this really positive, you know, all these very positive lyrics, good party music, um, but also a uh, very very um, um, uh, insightful. So as far as hip hop groups go, you know they're one of the greatest of all time. So they definitely deserve uh, consideration to be in the. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And like I said, that would have been, when I first looked at the list, that would have been my initial vote, but I have one farther down that we'll get to. And what do they do? They put five in, right? So out of the list, five will get in. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Oh, really? That's how they do it. They mm-hmm. always give you the list, and they go, well, out of this list, we'll, we'll get it down to five to get in. It's just like the <laughs> Academy Awards. Uh, is anybody else here <laughs> familiar with Quest? Or am I the only one? Is that okay? It's okay, but listen... No, I remember. I remember it, thinking of them in the same categories like De La Soul. Right. The positive, right. positive spin. Yeah. Right, right. I do, love, I do love De La Soul. Uh, yeah. Uh, I recommend uh, listening to, uh, I mean, they had huge radio hits. Uh, uh, yeah. Scenario was a huge hit. And uh, I left my wallet in El Segundo. Um, but uh, there's a can lot I of hit. Can Yes, you can. Ask again. Yes, you can. Can I kick it? Yes, you yes, can. You can. Let me kick it. Yes, you can. I I know some of their I know some of their music, but I haven't like sat and listened. I'm to I'm seriously it. start at their first album and go all the way through. You will not be disappointed. Even their last no. one they did, which was 16 years, they hadn't done an album in 16 years. Came back and did one right at the end of the of the Trump administration, and it was fantastic. Well, it's fantastic. Still great. Still great. <laughs> uh, who's next on that list, Jake? Um, this list is straight from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame website, rockroll.com slash 2023. Nominees uh, next on the list is Kate Bush. Oh, she's running up that hill. Mm. Uh, millennials I mean, millennials like and, and their description of their of their of their music. Sure. Below. Yes. Uh, Kate Bush, a spellbinding visionary, the singer, songwriter, multi-instrumental and producer. Kate Bush created a unique space in rock. She used lush soundscapes, radical experimentation, literary themes, sampling, and theatric uh, and whoa, um, theatricality to captivate audiences and inspire countless musicians. 
John, you grew up in the era. I was, I mean, Kate Bush was around when I was a kid. You were a little older, probably able to kind of observe that better. What did you think? Uh, I was just out of high school and all, all my friends were huge Kate Bush fans. I had friends that had like every Kate Bush album. They were really, really into her. And um, she didn't really play live much. Uh, I don't even know if she ever came to America during her heyday. She, but um, she did make an appearance on Saturday Night Live and a couple other things that used to get played a lot. And um, yeah, they just thought she was the greatest. She just had this like singular voice. She was kind of like, um, I don't know, a little bit like Bowie, a little bit like Peter Gabriel, just a really, you know, just huge talent. And yeah, could play anything and just had this like, this voice that sounded like a classical voice, you know? Right, right. Almost operatic. And very, <clears throat> and very artsy. Like the, the album covers and her, when she did tour the sets were always very artsy, very painterly, you know? And uh, kind of like, high, you know, high concept. I keep thinking of Bowie because... Uh, the album covers are very artistic. All her album covers are just very, very artistic. So I was never a huge fan, but I, I knew all the songs by virtue of the fact that every time I'd drop by a friend's house, they were always playing her. Right. How would you feel about the song Babushka? <laughs> well, she did a duet with uh, Peter Gabriel, I think. What was that? Uh, Don't Give Up? She, that, that was the original. I think she did the original duet with Peter Gabriel on that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Dang, so a, a beautiful voice. Well, now and now introduced uh, to a whole new generation through Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, she said that was a wonderful gift. I just read an interview with her and she she said that was a wonderful gift because, you know, that's a that's an old song. And she probably figured it had come and gone. And she said she said it very she just said it was really something to see a whole new generation. It, get turned it's on kind of funny that, that she, it's kind of funny that she didn't realize that it was out there because anytime there's an eighties compilation, that's always on there. That's always the Only one, the one Kate Bush song that's on there. But it's the, it's the power of television. They always say you don't realize the power of television until something gets picked up on through a TV show. Like Wednesday, all those people looking for goo goo muck by the cramps. <laughs> it's like, it's the power of television. That's true. You've got all these people that normally wouldn't be, looking for that stuff right and overnight they're looking for it and i guess the latest thing is that linda ronstadt song they say that is oh, going through the roof right because of uh that tv show the last of us and uh, what, the song's called long long time right yeah and that's an early one that's one yeah of the earliest that's a good yeah. that's a good that's a great song great linda ronstadt song so somebody said she's this year's kate bush because you know all of a sudden that song is the number one i guess the way they measure these things now is how many people are are, uh, searching for it, searching for it, and yeah. streaming it. Yeah, uh, I got to tell you though, Linda Ronstadt is someone who is just waiting to be rediscovered. Um, I know it. It's a I great know. body of work. It's a great body of work. It really is. Um, but yeah, uh, do, Jake and Kalei, uh, uh, did you uh, uh, have you were you tempted to go back and rediscover Kate Bush after hearing that song, or was that were you already familiar, being theater types? I was already familiar with Kate Bush. Right. So, uh, I wasn't, but I've got younger sisters. And they didn't necessarily grow up with my mom and my grandma playing the music as much. Right. So, so for them, they went back and rediscovered. Oh, nice, nice. I know Jake was singing uh, Running Up That Hill for days. Running Up That Hill. Yeah, I know, I know, like, 
Here's my thing with music. I I know a lot. Of, I know a lot of different artists without knowing who they are. I right. listen to a lot of different music, so I'll recognize the song, but I'm not. I mean, that's kind of how a lot of people are. You know, it's like you hear a lot of music just you know being alive and listening to radio or you know movies and stuff, but not necessarily knowing who it came from. Or or and not to say that this is how you felt, but there's there's a lot of music I grew up. I would hear over and over and I didn't care. I would just be like, Oh, there's that song again. You know, I don't, I don't care to, if it doesn't, if it doesn't tickle your ear in the right way, you you have no, you have no, uh, with me, Kate Bush was always a little, um, uh, antiseptic almost, uh, or artsy fartsy a little, a little, no, I mean, just a little cold. Uh, her music always left me a little cold. I don't know. I don't know. I see. Uh, like it's it's very theatrical, so it's almost like mannered, you know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Almost like an Adele. I get I get the same feeling from Adele. Is that wrong? Uh no, not necessarily because they both sound like they have the like, like these classically trained voices. Right. Um I always thought of Peter Gabriel because he was always going for it wasn't just the singing. There was always a concept and a look and a costume and a backdrop. He always had this thing going on mm-hmm. particularly right after he left i mean certainly in genesis he was always wearing masks and stuff right right right. but right after right after he went solo you know there was always something going on a real concept going on just beyond the song you know right and that's what it was with kate bush you're thinking this is like going to see a musical it's not just her up there she's really performing right you know? when, when she was on saturday night live it looked like she was doing a song from a broadway musical okay yeah and it was so so theatrical and so uh you know and and also the way she moves, she had these crazy stage moves, you know, almost like Kabuki or a mime. She would do this crazy oh. stuff with her hands and all that. You Who know? was the other girl that used to sing with um, another '90s singer that I was? Well, she was from the '90s, and I was not at all. Uh, oh, but people loved her. Oh, Ten Thousand Maniacs, John. Who was that? Um, oh, Natalie Natalie Merchant. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I always liked her voice. Um, you know, they were very popular. And then she did a couple solo albums, yeah. Right, but also had some weird moves on stage. Yeah, you know, again, seemed sort of like theatrical, very sort of like, right. almost like mannered, you know. Right. But what the hell? It works for Bowie. You know? Right, sure. <laughs> that's the thing. You go, oh, that's a little, it's like, yeah, Bowie's been doing that for like, yeah. You know, Maybe like, he got a he kind of cracked that open. It's like, what are you doing? Is it Kabuki? Is it mime? You know, he's not just up there strumming a guitar. He's really giving this sort of like performance. It looks like it's something out of a musical. Maybe know? I'm just, uh, maybe I'm just, uh, I'm just sexist. All right. Who's next? <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe we've <laughs> 10 years of podcasting. We finally figured it out. Uh, go ahead, Jake. Um, next on the list, we have Cheryl Crow. Oh, speaking Cheryl, of sexist. Cheryl Crow's voice is forever woven into the tapestry of American music through her powerhouse solo performances. Oh, no. What happened? Something happened. Ah, okay. Their powerhouse solo performances, collaborations with industry icons and early session music work. Crow's influence reverberates through uh, classic 1990s rock, pop, country, folk, blues, and the works of countless singer-songwriters. I don't know about you, but when I listen to Sheryl Crow, all I want to do is have, is have some, fun. some fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think maybe If it makes you happy, you know. John? Oh, no, let's yeah. start. Let's start with uh, Jake this time. 
Jake, how do you feel about uh, Shell Crow? Um, I love her music. I thought, I mean, I my mom used to listen to her all the time, and she was played on the radio all like yeah, playing the radio constantly. Yeah, yeah. I heard it. If it makes you happy, and all I want to do, almost every, it felt like it was almost every day. Um, I think those are the only <laughs> ones that I can remember off the top of my head. But uh, <laughs> those were massive hits, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, I mean, I liked her voice. I mean, I I don't really follow like their. There's I didn't really follow like her story or anything, so I don't know about any about her career or anything. But I enjoy her. I enjoy her music. Kalei. I also enjoy her music. Can't say I know a lot about her. Um, my mom loves Cheryl Crow. Uh-huh. Always Cheryl Crow. It's, she's definitely of a particular era. Cheryl mm-hmm. Crow. She is very much of her time, but uh, also she appears. She shows up with a bunch of people, and she did. She do a James Bond song, John. I think she did, and I can't think of which one it was. Can you check hmm. for that? Can you check that, Jake? Tomorrow never dies. Oh, yeah. we're, that's coming up. That's coming up. Okay, John, what do you think of Cheryl Crow? Uh, I always liked her. You know, good songs, good voice. She's one of those people that always was just like, seems like she was always there. Right. You know I mean, you take you take her for granted because right. she's always cranking stuff out and it's always good. Right. It's kind of like the Tom Petty syndrome. He's always good. He's always putting stuff out and you, you tend to take it for granted. Right. Then you, you realize when they're gone, you're like, Jesus, it takes a lot to, <laughs> to be that prolific. You know? Right. It's like. I feel like I'm damning Cheryl Crow with faint praise when I when I say that. Like it, it, you. She does kind of have always, it's a hard to no, think I of felt, a time. I felt that way too. Right. Because uh, it's very catchy, you know, mm-hmm. it's easy to, it's easy to take them for granted. Right. I don't I mean, know. She I got stuff all the way in 2019. She did some stuff with uh, the high women. She did some like vocal or like vocal. Oh, it was like, it was like a, was it like a, a female version of the highwaymen? Who was in the, who was in that? Was there a Dolly was Parton? Like yeah. yeah. Was like, oh, oh, the three girls. Well, Dolly Parton did an album with Linda Ronstadt and Emmy Lou Harris. That's right. High Woman Sees and Singers. We got Brady Carly, Amanda Shires. Oh, no. Natalie Hemme, Yola, Marin Morris, Brittany Spencer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't well, know any of those people. Still, she's still yeah. doing stuff. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Well, all she wants to do is have some fun. I mean, Jake said it at the start. <laughs> yeah. All right. Who's she next, Jake? To, uh, yeah, she wants to soak up the sun. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a thing. It's hard. She's one of those people mm-hmm. who you're like, oh, yeah. But then you're like, well, then you see the competition. You're like, eh, 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 eh. but she does have a case for being in the. The mm-hmm. thing is, the, the thing you don't get a lot of these days, I'm going to sound like an old fart. What you don't get a lot of these days is people with a real solid sense of melody. And so when you go back to people like Shell Crow, you go, yeah, this is like that was probably the last generation of songwriters that realized the importance of melody, you know. Um, so, but I know that makes me sound like a fossil, but I mean, there was a time when melody was pretty important and it was something that wasn't easy, not easy to come up with a, a memorable tune. Isn't it, you know, isn't it ironic, John, that you're here arguing for melody when you yourself support the punk rock movement? Hmm. Yeah, but punk, yeah, but punk rock has melody. That I'm was just kidding. The, uh, <laughs> that, you know, that was always like the misnomer. The Buzzcocks, the Jam, the Sex Pistols, the Clash, they all had melody. Right. They were loud. They the, were, they were the, snotty. But the Clash definitely melody. did. Yeah. 
The Clash yeah, definitely absolutely. did. And the, and the Buzzcocks were like, they were like the Beatles of punk. There was nobody that was ever more melodic in my book. The Buzzcocks are right up there. Hardly anybody was as melodic as the Buzzcocks, certainly within the, the punk movement. What about know. the Pixies? I love the Pixies, too. You're not going to like to hear this. Both those bands were Beatle fans. Buzzcocks, the Pixies, the, and Nirvana. They were all, three of them were Beatle fans. They might not have announced it, but they were all Beatle fans. Hey. They were, they were blown away by mel Melody Ain't Easy. Hey. The Beatles made it look easy, yeah. and that's so. Three bands I could do without. That's all I have to say. All right. Oh, no, I don't believe uh, Jake. you love Nirvana. <laughs> no, I, I actually yeah. do not. I am actually not a Nirvana fan. I am probably the only person on earth that is not a Nirvana fan. But you Ooh. like the Buzzcocks. Do I, John? Do I? I know that I know that you like ever falling in love with somebody you shouldn't have. Because whenever I play that for you, you go, wow, that's good. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. I do enjoy the Buzzcocks. Uh, Jake, go for it. Up next, we have uh, Misty Elliott. Singer, oh, oh, yeah, Misty Elliott. I don't know. Groundbreaking producer, label executive, and video trendsetter, Missy Misdemeanor Elliott. Oh, was <laughs> crucial to crafting the Virginia Beach sound that took over the airwaves in the late 1990s and 2000s. She established herself as an in demand songwriter and producer and founded her own record label, all before breaking out as a platinum selling solo star. Yeah, I was going to say, Missy Elliott is probably, uh, she's achieved a lot. Um, and so that, that's probably why she's, um, why she's, uh, why she's nominated. I mean, get what's your freak record, on a record label, get your freak on, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and work it are probably, you know, I mean, that, those are hall of fame ready. I was kind of shocked. To, I was kind of shocked to see her on there. Cause Missy Elliott is relatively young. Um, so it must be 25 years from her first album. Yeah, maybe. Maybe because you can't get in, and they have to count twenty five from your first release. Right, seven. She must go back that far. I do like Missy Elliott. I don't know if she's Hall of Fame. I don't know in this group if she goes in the Hall of Fame. I have to be honest, but uh, you know, I am I am not familiar with her later body of work either. But as far as like being a producer and and an impresario. She definitely has. Uh, I mean, she's 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 uh, she's got her own empire, uh, Missy Elliott. So uh, if you're if you're talking about like uh, the the entire you know behind the scenes and everything, I, I mean, I, I I see the case for her there. Uh, yes, yeah. it's got three record labels. Uh, she has Goldmine Inc., East West, Electra, and Atlantic. Oh, four. Mm. Damn. Hmm. That's a good, I mean, that's there. Now you're, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's, this is a hard ballot. Um, so just for like for her yeah, achievements off the stage as well as on Jesus. Look at her. Yeah. Missy hard, Elliott's great. Working woman right there. Missy Elliott's great. Uh, again, there, there's, uh, it's hard. It's a hard, uh, it's hard to, usually there's one or two where I'm like, man, they, yeah, they, they don't deserve it. Uh, but this is everybody on this list. Guys, what do you think? Missy Elliott, any thoughts? I'm not all that familiar, I must admit. You got to listen to some uh, Missy Elliott. You need, you need some Missy send Elliott me, in your life. That's a send damn me, shame. Send me some. I will. You'll love it. It's Missy Elliott. She's, she 
set such a precedent for women in rap music. That is true. Send me some. It's like her, you know, uh, well, the thing is, you know, there were, there were female rappers, you know, like there were female groups like salt and Peppa and stuff, but where Missy Elliott took off was like like the producing. Would you, would you say Nina Cherry's in there? Ah, would I? I Brent probably would. I remember picking that the first Nina Cherry album up. You're right though. Like, you are right though, uh, uh, Calais. You 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 are you are not wrong there. She is an impresario. That's a great word for her. So she's she's so she's a producer as well as a performer. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I'll send you some. Missy Elliott's great, man. It's just it's send me some. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna play some right now. Send me some love and send it by mail. Uh, miss, I miss, I like that they put miss the de, misdemeanor on there. Uh, work yeah, it is Missy probably misdemeanor, Elliot. <sighs> Can you hear that? I'm hearing every other word. Uh, uh, this takes me back to a very specific time. I'm seeing Mario have a great time. Can't quite hear the song, but Mario looks very happy. Mario, Mario's dancing. Mario's this dancing reminds me of my friend Eric. Right when 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 our when our daughters were young, he did a version of uh, of Work It. He freestyled a version of Work It that involved burping. <laughs> Who was that? Eric Stoudemire. Shout out to Eric. Part of my Call of Duty squad. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's after Missy Elliott? See, I. Following following Missy Elliott, we have Iron Maiden. Are they not in yet? No, apparently not. Iron Maiden created the blueprint for how... God, I keep clicking the thing, and it takes me to the thing. It's not the list. Clay, take notes. Iron Maiden created the blueprint for how heavy metal bands should look, sound, and tour. Throughout the 1980s, the British group released seven high-octane albums that solidified it as one of rock's biggest bands. With a blistering assault of guitars, driving rhythm section, and soaring vocals, Iron Maiden can switch gears at a moment's notice to take the audiences on an expressive atmospheric journey. I'm out. I'm out on Iron Maiden. Not my bag at all. Not your not your 80s heavy metal was not my Van Halen was as heavy as I got in the 80s. (laughs) Come on. <laughs> I like my rock loud and dumb. That's <laughs> but I don't young and dumb and uh, the next caller. Yeah, I don't need uh, I don't need all and the full, uh, of, full of attitude. I don't need the 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 giant robots and the uh, I don't need any of that. You don't want stuff. a giant inflatable skull head? No, I don't need <laughs> <any>. <laughs> No, not not mm-hmm. feeling it. Mm-mm. I'm out. John, were you ever into any of those bands? Iron Maiden or Def Leppard? Or I like Def Leppard. I was never into Iron Maiden. I've got people that are constantly... I've had people over the years trying to pull me into Iron Maiden, and it just left me cold. And they'd play me some, and they'll, come on! And I'm like, I don't know. What can I tell you? It's not It's not doing a thing for me. <laughs> you know? I, I love... I don't know. I You know, I love Zeppelin and Deep Purple. Sure. And Sabbath. That, that's my era. And... Um, I like Def Leppard. You know, talk about there's a band with a sense of melody. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's uh, like Queen. See, that's the thing. You, Brian May loves Def Leppard. Well, I guess Def Leppard got in. I guess they got in about a year ago or maybe two years ago. But um, yeah, they had a one-armed drummer. Why not? 
What's that? They had a one-armed drummer. Why not? Yeah, I know. That's what everyone remembers. Yeah. Now, but uh, I don't know. I, I, people have tried to get me into Iron Maiden, and it just, it just yeah. it's I'm, falling on deaf ears. Hey, <laughs> do hate, deaf. Do you hate music, John? Is that what it is? I know. That, and that's what they say. They go, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. My buddy Pat. Oh, then you must just hate music. And yeah. Like, <laughs> but I, I give them shit for not like, you know. For not uh, liking Aerosmith enough. You know, I go, what's the matter with you? <laughs> Aerosmith is the poor man's Rolling Stones. They are, but pretty goddamn good. But, you know, the old Aerosmith, that, you know, 70s Aerosmith. Mm. I don't really have much time for them after they, mm. you know, sort of like uh, made their comeback with all the power ballads and, and all that crap. All, uh, but the early Aerosmith was a hell of a lot of fun. All right. And yeah, I'll, that's the that's the rap they got that they were the poor man's Rolling Stones. I'll take your word for I, I it. They're very talented. Very talented. Joe Perry is an amazing guitar player. Uh, Jake, Iron Maiden, your thoughts? I mean, I I didn't necessarily grow up listening to a lot of Iron Maiden, but I definitely appreciate it. Um, I had a phase in high school where I would listen to power metal, which, uh, so I listened to things like Symphony X and Rhapsody of Fire, which is like super nerdy power metal talking mm. about um, knights fighting dragons, and <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I definitely respect Iron Maiden. I've been I keep meaning to go back and listen to them because I love like Trooper, Run to the Hills. Okay. Um, I could never. Eddie, did, did you have an Eddie poster? Did you have a great big Eddie poster Mm-mm. with the script? With the, I love that first album cover where it's that skull head and he's holding the axe. He's just killed somebody. He's holding an axe in his hand, and, and the guy's Hulk clawing his way up his T-shirt. It's just crazy. I have all never. My, all my posters growing up were either dinosaurs or movie posters. Oh, nice. I see. Mm-hmm. Kalei, when did you first uh, discover the music of uh, Iron Maiden? I can't say I'm familiar. You you are lucky. You are lucky. Consider yourself lucky. Uh, yeah, not an Iron Maiden fan. I'm sure I'm going to get flack from that from like the, uh, mm-hmm. from the, uh, from, from the, um, from Mikey the Bags of the world. But, uh, yeah, is Iron, Mike, Ma- is, Iron is Maiden. Mikey, Mikey Bags, is he an I don't know. I don't know. We, we'll find out. He'll let us know in the comments. He's I'm just sure. the lover of music and all its He forms, is. You know? He is. He's very open-minded. Uh, Jake, give us the next, uh, who's next? Um, following up Iron Maiden, we have Joy Division slash new order oh see this is right in my wheelhouse i know what john's gonna say no, uh, i like joy division, joy division. Gonna, but it's weird that they're doing it's like two different bands really it's weird that they put them in as one band well because it's what it's the same band but the lead singer kills himself so it's yeah, the same it's, a, it's really a, it's kind of a different sound really right two bands. it is yeah. yeah i think uh yeah. if, if he had stayed alive i think they would have gone more the uh the smith's route and right, uh and right. yeah uh they're a little you know they become a little uh i don't know i i like new order are they hall of fame level yet i don't know well how does it feel mario uh well how does it feel to treat me like you do uh one of the greatest you know they have a song called i think i told you guys this they have a song called age of consent and uh I, 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 and of course you type in age of consent, new order. Cause you don't want to. <laughs> so, so I put age of consent, age of consent, new order. And the first comment on the video was 
Great song, Risky Google. (laughs) 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 But uh, that is a great, you know, A New Order is one of those bands that when they were around, I didn't, I was just, they were kind of in the background. You know, Blue Monday was everywhere. Everybody loved Blue Monday because that was kind of an electronic hit, early electronica. But now as, I, as I'm older and I have, you know, the nostalgia hits, I hear those songs. They put me in a very specific time of my life, like a young teenager. And uh, so, yeah, now I have nostalgia for that music. But I don't know if uh, I, I'm going to I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me, but I don't know if they're, they're Hall of Fame ready just yet. You know, it, it, I think it depends on what age you are. I think for some people, Joy Division is like iconic. It's like Susie and the Banshees or The Cure or Depeche Mode. Those are or the Smiths. They're, that's an those are iconic bands, right? And so I think for some people there'd be no no argument that they don't belong in there, right? Know? It's just weird that they're. It's like putting in Jefferson Airplane slash Jefferson Starship. Oh right. I'm not quite. I'm not quite sure. I'm not a big enough fan to know if this is if proper or not. Maybe it's completely proper, but it really seems like it's two different bands, and it's kind of weird that they're going to put them in. On I, one think the, I think the, I think I think the argument against that would be that Joy Division only had one album, so you know it's it's the way to get them in. That, oh, is that true? Yeah, it's one proper mm-hmm. album. While yeah, yeah. Alive, it's the way it's a alive. it's a way to get him in. I think. Yeah. Oh, I see. It's a way to get him in through the back door. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, you know, I was late to the game. Uh, I. I was not listening to Joy Division. Somebody played it like decades later, and I was like, "Hey, this is pretty goddamn good." But you know, it was like decades later, right? Mm. And and the same with New Order. I just didn't think. I thought I don't know. It wasn't my my cup of tea. But when I saw Atomic Blonde, and that was one of the major songs, Blue Monday, they they right. worked that in at some very key moments, and I went, "Oh, this works!" And it completely conjures the time, right? As you as you, as you said, right? It puts you back in a certain time frame. It makes me nostalgic for like 1983. You know, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Jake, New Order, Joy Division. I enjoy I enjoy them both. Um there's uh there's a place there's a place in uh in Riverside that does a uh they do like a eighties night, you know, or goth night and they play all kind of new order, joy division. So that's probably some depeche mode. Probably some Smith, mode. some cure, mm-hmm, some mm-hmm, Susie and the Banshees, mm-hmm. like John said. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so. they're kind of like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not like, I've never been like a huge fan, but it always struck me that Joy Division was kind of like Bauhaus, that there's a million bands that aren't going to happen until they hear those bands. Probably. You know, yeah. They, they hear Joy Division, they hear Bauhaus, and suddenly now you've got, you've got a hundred bands that are going to like, like Velvet Underground was the same thing. The old joke was nobody bought that first album, but everybody that did went out and formed a band. You know? Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, so in that way, they were like kind of like the Beatles of their movement. You know? Right, right. Uh, yeah, you know, the, yeah. The, that is a very specific time in music. So, Kalei, yeah. are you familiar with um, New Order at all? Can't say I am. I'm gonna. We're gonna send you some. We're gonna send you some tracks, and we're gonna get you. Uh, I would. I would uh, Google Age of Consent, but again, Age of Consent, New Order. <laughs> Uh, uh, what was the uh, what was the big one? A uh, love will tear us apart. Was love will tear us apart. That was Joy Division. Love will tear us apart is Joy Division, and then you have Blue Monday, Monday by New Order, and then I would also yeah. recommend. Um, um, uh, oh God, what's the? Every time I think of you, I get my, my friend Hiddish is screaming at the. Uh, it, that sounds like that sounds like Pet Shop Boys. Uh, uh, every time I think of you. I get shot right blue with a bolt of blue. Um, oh God, what is that name? 
The song or the band? Uh, hold on, I'll find it. It's the, it's a song by New Order. True, true thing. Oh, bizarre yeah. love triangle. Jeez, Louise, uh, could not. They had great titles for their songs. Bizarre love triangles. Check those out. See what you think. Get back to us. I'll get back to you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, please. With that, we're, we want to know. We want to know. The inquiring minds want to know. Jake, who's next on that? I actually have the list right here. I could because we're gonna have to we're gonna have to speed it up because I gotta speed it up. Yeah, no, it's okay. That's not <laughs> your fault. That's, that's not your fault. There's a ton of them on there. So let me I just. Know, but let's make one, sure we don't two, pass up Soundgarden. <laughs> we are gonna pass up Soundgarden yeah, because uh, grunge you know sucks. Grunge. You know I love. I love them. No, me grunge too. sucks. Mm-mm. Next is Cindy Lauper. Uh, again, very specific time in our lives, <laughs> the eighties. Um, You're so diplomatic. It conjures a certain time. Don't yeah. know if she's hollow. No, I love when I was growing up. I mean, Cindy Lauper was the you know she was friends with Captain Lou Albano from WWF. You know, she was all over MTV. Right, all over. She was like the doing poster the Goonies, girl doing the Goonies theme, and you know uh, that that she's so unusual sold like a billion copies. Right, you know. She was the fun Madonna. She was the fun, non-dirty Madonna. Until right. she did She Bops, and then you're like, what are you talking about, Cindy Lauper? <laughs> uh, she always seemed to me like she always seemed to me like somebody who was uh who was uh who had escaped from Pee Wee's uh, playhouse. Right, you know? right, right. Bright bright colors and crazy costumes. Scarves, a lot of scarves kind of, and kind of a cartoony voice, you know. Uh I'll tell you what though, she does that song time after time, and you're just like, wow, this is a really great song like this is a really right even the, novelty right. yeah and she's but she's got she's still singing with that new york accent a little bit kind of like the ronettes when they would right. when their accent would come through you know singing frosty right. the snowman you know she's doing <laughs> time after time but it's it's a great song uh you know i I will I will say you know uh, you know she she is kind of the 80s personified for you know uh, she's mm-hmm. she's at least one part of the '80s personified, the MTV era. <laughs> you could say her and like the the B52s. You could say her. You could say Prince. You could say Michael Jackson. You could say Madonna. Uh, all, these were huge. These were she was like an and, '80s and icon. Visual. The, the reason those people were all big on MTV is because they also had a very visual thing going. Right. You know. Right. And uh, I, I think if it was there. any other class, if it wasn't such a heavy class, she'd be a shoe in. But I think there's yeah. there's a lot of other heavy hitters, um, so I don't know. I don't know. What do you kids think? Cindy Lauper fans? Anybody? Huge fan. I mean, She's yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. I definitely agree. I don't know that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This time around, right? But she, yeah, she's an entertainer. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The she's at this point. That the, the rap that the that the hall gets now is as the years pass, all the obvious choices are in, and so now it kind of looks like everybody gets in. Like I love Cheap Trick, but there were people saying, "Come on, if Cheap Trick gets in, then everybody gets in." You know, it's kind of like, and so you know, it just depends. It depends on when you uh, grew up, you know, because. Some people probably turned up their nose at T-Rex, and I think they absolutely belong in there. So it probably depends on when you grew up. If you're an old-timer, then you're probably going, what, Cheap Trick, Cindy Lauper? How do they belong in the same Hall of Fame with the Rolling Stones? But if you're younger, you're like, of course, absolutely fucking A, they belong in there. Right. Yeah. Huge activist in the LGBTQ community as well. What? 
Cindy Lauper. <laughs> that was a Don Draper. Ooh, what? Uh, I thought you said Hugh Jackman. I thought you said Hugh Jackman, LGBT community. I'm like, what? What? Hugh Jackman. Yeah, now you got me saying. Yeah, she's a uh, yeah, huge activist. Was in, that LGBT during the 80s? Or when when was her work? That was at her peak, uh, I think. Yeah, she was at her at peak. She was coming out. Emails, is your in, so, in support. Not, not coming out of the closet. But come, she was kind of coming uh, out in support, wasn't she? Uh, looks like the like the mid like twenty tens. It looks like she was really pushing like her activism. Um, okay. She speaks during a Senate uh, appropriations, transportation, housing development, a Senate hearing, uh, urban development efforts to prevent and end unyouth uh, and youth homelessness. Like yeah, she's definitely a huge activist just in general. But yeah, she does. It seems um, looks like she does fight for LGBTQ rights as well. So. She I was back. curious if that work was happening while she was putting out music in the eighties. Yeah, during... I don't remember. I don't it remember, but I know she was. Seem like it. I don't I think she was, was like, that I recall. Like, it wasn't overt, but she was kind of like always out there for the underdog. I remember that much. She was kind of like always kind of like you know standing up for the people that were kind of like not on top, you know. Mm-hmm. Because she was kind of a misfit, even amongst you know. Like, I remember when they did that We Are the World, and she was, like, amongst all these people, she was, uh, you know, she's, like, this misfit, you know? Yeah, I mean, it says she was, uh, she even took part in the True Colors tour um, back in 2007, and it looks like that's kind of where her uh, activist uh, role started, so. There we go. True Colors. Fantastic, yeah. The See, two colors tour. She she's definitely, great. definitely likable. Definitely mm-hmm. one of the most likable people on the list for sure. Just uh, a beautiful person. Uh, yo, oh, yo, who didn't like Cindy Lauper? Just at least as a person, as a personality. Even if you didn't like her music, I've never heard anybody you know say an ill word about her. Right, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Uh, who, who's next there, Jake? Um, we've got uh, someone who's turned kind of into a meme. Uh, as of rec- as of within the past ten years or so, we got George Michael. He's careless whispers. Wake me up before you go go again. A uh, mm-hmm. huge uh, you know, he, with Wham and then Alone, a huge body of work. He had Faith was a huge album. Um, uh, but in this class, I don't know. In this class, I don't know. Yeah. That's my honest opinion. Sorry, Hiddish. What do you guys say, George Michael? Never a big fan. <laughs> Just not my not my cup of tea. Right. He's a, he's okay. Yeah. You never had a careless whisper, John. <laughs> I'll tell you what gets Doc some points is Last Christmas. <laughs> you lose points for singing for 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 writing Last Christmas. That's that's going to lose you some points there. <clears throat> the very next day. Kalei, how familiar are you with Georges Miguel? Not super. Not super familiar. What about Wake Me Up Before You Go Go? What about Wham? Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. That's literally all I've got. What about Careless Whisper? That originated with him. That's him. That was the that was the song that they sold to all the artists they wanted to make a Christmas album. 
Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. You were born before you were born after a time you knew that that I was John and I were born before that song existed. And so we we heard it come into, you know. You know, for some people that's like white Christmas, you know what I mean? Right. If you're if you're somebody of a certain age, that is going to put a lump in your throat just like hearing Bing do white Christmas, you know. It puts a lump in my throat but for, for not for those reasons. I just, to, not in my I just wanted to. I just wanted to stop. You, yeah, even a great audience. Hey, how are you? <laughs> it's, it's a lump in my stomach, but I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, I. I don't it's an age thing. I hate to. It's funny. You get to a certain age and you realize it's cer- certain artists are only going to hit you if you're a certain age. Right. Know? Right. That's gen- works both ways. I think a lot of the academy is now uh, they're aging Gen Xers now because you can you can mm. tell by the people that are in there. That this is a very Gen X heavy list. Uh, who's next? Uh, we've got uh, Willie Nelson. Uh, shocked that he's not in there already. Uh, uh, how did he not get like in on the first ballot? Because they've been since the, like '88. They've been bringing people in that were like non-rock. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, influences, right? Non-rock musical influences. So you'd get people like Hank Williams in there. Writers in the sky or in, um, right. on the road again. Come on. I mean, I'm not the biggest country fan, but give it to him. Just, you know, he's like Sinatra. He's like a force of nature. Love him or hate him. You know, there's before Willie Nelson and there's after Willie Nelson, particularly in country. You've got before and after. Everything's different after Willie Nelson, you know. Right. All right. Kids, you guy's done every style. He's done every style, too. I mean, mostly country. But he's done folk. He's done. He's done reggae. He's done on the road again. It's just listen. Whether you like country or not, on the road again, great song. Come on. Yeah, you guys have seen. You guys have seen Brother Bear. (laughs) (laughs) And Mario, you know this. Probably the album of his that sold the most is Stardust, and that was all pre-rock. Right. uh, American. What is it? What do they call the Americans? The uh, Great American Songbook. Yeah. All standards. uh, that was massive. That's what that's what really put him on the map for non-country fans. That album sold like a billion copies. Right, know? right. Uh, Calais, great memories of taking family vacations with Willie Nelson albums playing in the background. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on on William Nelson at uh, one way or another? I love Willie Nelson. I actually did grow up listening to Willie Nelson. It was a lot of country music and rap music in my house. Oh my God. What a great dichotomy. What a great dichotomy. That's fantastic. But love Willie Nelson. When uh, I was little and my mom would do my hair, it wasn't pigtails that were braided. They were Willie Nelson. Oh, nice. Nice. Like, how do you want your hair today? Like Willie Nelson. There it is. Ooh. My my dad had a, uh, a Halloween costume that was basically... The red, white, and blue headband with the pigtails. You know, that's great. You know, my dad was a, a huge Willie Nelson fan. I'd say that for my dad, there were, the top two artists were Elvis and Willie Nelson. That's crazy. <laughs> Those were the, yeah, the top two. He had a he had all the Willie Nelson albums, and uh, more often than not, that's what was playing in the car. And he had a tape and, in, the, in the deck. Yeah. And John Cash is already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, if I'm not mistaken, right? He made it he, in. He, he got. He must have got in like the first or second year. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jake, how do you feel about Will Nelson? Yeah, I like On the Road again. Yeah. You know, uh, John, you know what's crazy, John? I didn't listen to him that much. What's crazy, you guys, what is my biggest complaint about country? I say this all the time. I hate when people sing through their nose. I hate it. And Willie Nelson doesn't, and it doesn't bother me. I don't know why. 
Hey, he's got that crazy phrasing. They always say he's got phrasing like Sinatra. He, the phrasing is really, it's unusual. It's conversational, and it's not always like right on the. Right. What would you say? Like right mm-hmm. on the beat, you know. Right. He feels very. He feels it's like, um, what I, uh, what I've listened to. He seems very genuine. In his music, it's coming. It's coming from the heart, you know. And he's a great guy. I mean, he does. Yeah. He, he's the one that put together that farm aid, which they still do that every year to raise money for the farmers that are barely making it. So, by all accounts, he's a really good guy. You know, really, just uh, not anything. Also, one of those guys that hangs around after the show to sign autographs. Hey, we're gonna have to take a quick break. Uh, I'm getting a low battery signal here. Uh, It's a weird place to break, so we're going to break, we're going to finish this list, and then we're going to talk about Waiting for Guffman when we come back right after these messages. All right, kids? Sorry to to interrupt you there, John. We'll we'll, uh, we'll be right back. Uh, we're back. We just found out during the break that uh, Calais is wearing a blazer, and the rest of us feel underdressed, except for John, who is wearing an ascot. Lady Astabula. The last time but we I'm met was an ascot. A, ascot, was it not? Yeah. Ascot not? Um, yeah, but I'm also wearing a Hawaiian shirt, so basically I'm always underdressed. <laughs> John, you first of all, you have mastered the Hawaiian shirt look. That is your look. <laughs> Uh, there were, there was, there was a while when I was dabbling with Hawaiian shirts, really dug them. They're very comfortable. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that. Uh, but John, that is your look. And now I feel like if I wear a Hawaiian shirt, people are just going to say, well, you're trying to copy the great John Sandy. That's how I'm going to say, of course you're, uh, <laughs> of course you're trying to look like Magnum PI. Uh, that, well, that, is that your, is that what your goal, your ultimate goal to look like, uh. Uh, Tom no, Selleck. No, I, I never really watched that show. My mom loved that show. She never missed it. And one time I, I was watching it with her, I went, oh, oh, yeah, it's in Hawaii. So basically he's always wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Right. Hawaii. Right. Yeah. yeah. Great I show. I loved Higgins. You know, I'm a big John Hillerman fan. So for me, I would watch that show for John Hillerman. <laughs> John, you, know, you just reminded me of in Freaks and Geeks uh, yeah. when yeah. uh, uh, Joe Flaherty, the dad, wants to watch. Uh, he's watching. <laughs> he wants to watch. Uh, Charlie's Angels, and he's like, "Hey, they that Kate Jackson, huh? Who's your favorite? Uh, who's your favorite Angel, Sam?" And his son goes, "I like Bosley," and he goes, "Bosley? Well, yeah, he's funny." It's like, yeah, that's the typical, right? That's the nerd, right? Right? You want right. the funny sidekick, <laughs> Bosley? It's funny because on any other show, Kate Jackson would have been the most glamorous, but you put her next to Farrah Fawcett and Jacqueline Smith. Suddenly she's the plain one, you know. Right. She's, never, she was on a show called The Rookies and she was the glamour puss. You know? Right. Because she was she you know, she was the you know, played the nurse, you know. And on this show, she is Janet. She is Janet. Mm. Right. That's right. Uh that's a three's company reference for the rest of you kids there. Uh we're Janet, back. Janet. We're back. Uh so Calais wearing a blazer, the rest of us feel underdressed. Uh we're the rest of us are all wearing t shirts like slobs. Uh, Kalei, so you you wear blazers all the time. That's your look. Is that your signature look? You a nice blazer? Uh, if it's not a blazer, it's a graphic T-shirt with a very patterned long skirt. Wow. Mm. What what Those kind are of like my? What am I wearing today? If I throw a blazer on and it's stylish, or 
I don't right. know what to wear. I'm just going to grab a graphic tee with a color coordinating skirt. When I met you the first time, you had a very, you had a very kicky uh, beret. You had a very kicky uh, headpiece. Yeah. You had a very kicky headpiece. And a very. Leather beret. We can shout out Jacob's eyes for that. He spotted that in an antique mall for me. Jake going antiquing. I love the idea. Uh, Jake's just I don't look- want to look nice, but I don't want to spend a lot of money. Right. Going but you, you had a very nice, uh, almost uh, vintage, almost like 1940s. I, I, I want to say like 30s, 40s look going on when I, when I, when I saw you, when I met you for the first time. I Thank thought, you so much. I thought, who is this? Who is this young lady? Is she part of the Algonquin Round Table? That's what I thought to did myself. She, did she have a beret like like a Marlena Dietrich? It was like a kicky beret. It was kind of like a yeah, kind of yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Did she say falling in love again? She looked very snappy. She looked. To, she looked. She looked snappy, and I felt. I to do? <laughs> I can't, I can't help it. it. That was she was famous for that. Falling well, in love again. Wearing with a beret, you know, it, it, that was a very, very what, good look in the forties. What am I to do? Yeah. All right. Of course, now you think of Madeline Kahn. Whenever somebody sings right. the Deep, you think of Lily von Stupp. Lily know? von Stupp. Yeah. I'm tired. <laughs> tired of being tired of playing the game. Isn't it a freaking shame? Fine shame. I'm tired. <laughs> Let's face it. <laughs> Everything below the vest is kaput. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, what's your name? Tex Ma'am. Tex Ma'am. Tex Ma'am. God, that is great. Matt, the great Madeline Kahn. I will watch anything that Madeline Kahn is in. Anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Love it. Yep. She's a treasure. She is. God bless her. God rest her soul. Uh, so we are uh, on to uh, who was the next in the in the uh, Academy Award nominated Rock and Roll Rock and Roll Hall, Hall of Fame. Fame. You know him, you love him. Some people don't. Uh, it's Rage Against the Machine. Uh, hey, for me, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Put him in there. Yeah, uh, I agree. Put him in there. No, no arguments here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I agree. They were because they were totally unique. Right. You know, nobody, nobody sounded like him. No. Know? So you got, yeah, I think they should go. Maybe, maybe a little bit the Beastie Boys doing, you know, maybe the rock sure. rap kind of thing. It's maybe like if, like if the Beastie Boys kind of like, you know, edged, got a little edgier, you know? Yeah, they decided to get political, right? Yeah. Sorry, I shoved that caramel in my mouth at the exact wrong time. I thought you could just want to talk more. Mm-mm, absolutely not. Well, public public enemy got in right, years mm-hmm. ago, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I was gonna say they got to go in first, you know. Right. Public enemy's got to go in mm-hmm. before Rage Against the Machine, you know. No, I agree. I agree with you, Mario. They should be in there. Cut from the same cloth, and also just great musicianship. It's yeah. a great band. I mean, yeah, they're yeah. singing. John, there's where we talk about your melody right there. Yeah, and Tom Morello's an, is an incredible guitar player. Yeah. Right. Right. If that doesn't get you moving, if that doesn't get your 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 yeah. your, your your feet stomping and your heart pumping, then you're you're dead. Mm-hmm. So rage is in. Rage. That's that's a vote. That's a, that's a yes. That's, right that's a hundred. That's a guaranteed winner. Right. That's there. it. Because there's no question they're a rock band, right? Mm-hmm. They're not skirting it, and they're and, influential. And influential, and you know, it, they're just insane. It's like they're like. <laughs> You know, it, there's very few bands that have that level of uh, 
of energy, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Musicianship. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a message to be said in all of their music, right. you know? Right. Kalei, how do you feel about rage? The emotion? Uh, it's fine. Uh, the band? Couldn't tell you a thing. Listen, we're going to... Killing in the name of? Mm-hmm. Bulls on Parade? I'm actively Googling them. I was like, I'm going to find a way that connect them, that I know them. So, Jake, send her some Rage Against the Machine. Bomb track. Probably you might have heard Killing in the Name of. Bulls on Parade. Maybe Bullet in the Head. And that's about I don't think. Know Your Enemy. Know Your Enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Jake, send Kole, send Kalei the collected works of Rage Against the Machine, and then by the next week she's going to be wearing she's going to wear she's going to be wearing the beret and the long army coat from Battle of Los Angeles. She'll be on the front <laughs> doing the. Uh, all right, who's next? Who's who's the, who's next on there, Jake? Next up, we have um, one of my personal favorites, Soundgarden. Oh, there John, John, and uh, mm-hmm. yep, they literally started. They they. They literally like launched an entire decade of grunge music. <laughs> they they ignited a sound that lasted for like a whole. Yeah, month. I mean, I think that I think they predate Nirvana by a year or mm-hmm. two, right? I think so. So they're kind of there first. Yeah, out of that that whole movement, they're kind of there first. And of course, they don't really sound like any of the bands that followed them. They don't really sound like Nirvana or Pearl Jam or any of those bands. But no, they're kind, of, they're kind of their first. I think they might have been the first band signed. I think like them and Mudhoney might have been the first band signed out of that whole bunch. But, uh, you know, who's got a voice like Chris Cornell? I mean, everybody in that band is, in, is insanely talented. But who in the hell has got a voice like Chris Cornell? Uh, I put him in a category, you know, maybe I'm going to get people screaming at the, uh, screaming at the speaker. But I, I would put him in a category with like Robert Plant, mm-hmm. you know, guys like that, like singular voices. Which, uh, you know, which James Bond? slave too. Which James Ken Bond movie Temple did uh, Chris Cornell do a song for? That was Casino Royale, I think. Was it? Yeah. And it was just him. It wasn't Soundgarden. It was just Right, him. right, 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 right. I think it, was, I think it was something called, like, Remember My Name or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the Casino Royale song. And that was a great song, you know. You know, he did a, Yeah, he did all those. He was, what, it was him and Tom Morello, right? Doing mm-hmm. Audio Slave was, was him and the guys from Rage Against the Machine, right? He left Soundgarden for a little while, and they left Rage Against the Machine. So I think Audio Slave was the guys from Rage, and it was Chris Cornell doing the singing. I believe so. Google that. But he he's just got an absolutely, you know, incendiary voice. It's just mm-hmm. it's a it's a one in a million voice. I really do put it up there with like Robert Plant's voice. Mm-hmm. I agree. So John and John and uh, and and Jake lobbying heavy for Soundgarden. Well, the, the real question is they were probably, they probably could have gotten in years ago. They probably could have gotten in. Uh, I mean, you they know. started there. They're, they started in 84. Yeah. So, so they've they're, been, they've been eligible for a while. They've probably been on the ballot a few times. So they're, they're long overdue. And I don't know what the holdup is because they did some great albums. Mm-hmm. Kalei, how do you feel about the Soundgarden? Again, can't say I'm particularly familiar with 
sound. Yeah, I'm with. Uh, there's that Jake, whole. I want you to send Calais the entire collected. There's that whole early. There's the Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, hey, uh, I I would say I know that they're from that era. I would put them way above Stone Temple. Uh, uh, Nirvana, Soundgarden. That era, I was not into. I was not listening to. This is not what I was listening to. So I am ignorant. I am. I am ignorant. Um, Black Hole Sun, uh, Spoon Man. Oh, Spoon, Spoon Man. Man. I know Spoon Man. Yeah, I know Spoon Man. Speak the rhythm in your head. Yeah, speak the rhythm while how about you Rusty, can. How about Rusty Cage? Johnny Cash covered Rusty Cage. Mm. Need I say more? <laughs> uh, yeah, I just uh, I was listening to the I was into the mm. hip hop at this point, so that's what I was that's what I was leaning towards. So mm. this era of rock was not my favorite. Maybe I should send Mario some Soundgarden. Maybe you should leave Mario me alone. <laughs> Let's not and just, say we did. Yeah. Just leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> I don't know. I sent you some Ruddles and you loved it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was because it was. With Spice Girls and Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm an old man. And my, let me, I'm old man. I'm setting my ways. Don't, don't. Uh, who's next? Next up, we have the spinners. See, oh, I lo- who doesn't love the spinners? Yeah, found in 1954. What? Yeah, I always forget how far back they go. I always think they're like a 70s band, like Cool in the Gang. Right. Or, they, I mean, they were. Or the Shy Lights, you know. Right. And, but I, yeah, it's like, but they've been around. They've been kicking around, probably under different names, too. And right. I wonder if that's all the original members. Uh, by the seventies, is that the original? Is that all the guys that were in it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, look at the Isley Brothers. They they were the same. They go back to the early sixties, and they're you yeah. know, it's the same dudes. So sure. or like the Drifters, right? There's, there's so many so many different incarnations of the Drifters. You you need a scorecard, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, again, uh, body of work. Yeah, but then they had that one song that was on the on the. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 soundtrack. Rubber, Rubber Band Man. Man. Rubber yeah. Band Man. <laughs> I hate that song. Mario, you, Mario you've, got to, you've got to prepare yourself for the Rubber Band Man. I hate that song. <laughs> and I like the spinners. No, I love the spinners. I just hate that song. Uh, you know, it's funny. That Rubber Band Man came out. There was a certain year. With a lot of like gimmicky songs, I think that came out the year that Disco Duck and Convoy came out. You know? Oh, nice! There's a lot of a lot of really gimmicky songs you know, right, of that right. year. Well, it's funny. Like we think they go all the way back to the '50s, right? We're talking about bands that have been around for 20 years. Rage Against the Machine has been around for 20 years. You know, so it's just a different. We're, we're so far removed from when they were at you know right. their right. late stuff. So the jump between the '50s and the '70s isn't really that long. A band could still be together. But we think right, of the 50s right. as kind of like this prehistoric era, you know, because they're doing doo-wop. Because now you're talking, you're talking 70 years. Sure, you know? sure. At least, at least 60, right, 60 years. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the spinners go in, again, any other year. I'd say, yeah, throw them in there. I mean, they've been around, just body of work, uh, longevity, throw them in. But uh, this, this, there are so many... Uh, there's so many bands on this list. There's right so now, many bands that aren't in yet. Like I don't think Devo's in yet, you know. Right. And I don't know where you guys stand on Devo, but I I don't think Devo's in. And there are people that think that's like a crime 
against nature. That <laughs> in that, you know? Right. And, uh, or like people like Brian Eno. I don't think Brian Eno's in there. And okay. when you think about all the, he should be in there as a producer. Sure. I, you know, George Martin, uh, George Martin, Phil Spector, uh, Rick Rubin. I think all those guys are in as uh, Sam Phillips. Sure. They're all in as producers. I don't think Brian Eno's in there as a producer. He produced you two talking heads. I mean, he's produced everybody, you know, right. it's just, you know, right. It's kind of amazing that he's not in there. Um, so give me the top 10. I'm going to Google. Let me, I'll, you know, I'll do it. Let me look up the, I'm going to just look up the spinners on, on YouTube music and see what the top songs are. And this is usually top songs is usually like the most played. Uh, I'll be around. Uh, the rubber band man. Could it be? I'm falling in love. God, that's that, that just that yeah. right there. <laughs> Jesus, Louise. I know. Think about all the times you heard those songs. Coming right. On the radio Could it be? I'm falling in. How many times was I making out alone in the, in my car? Uh, in the back seat with a bottle of, yeah. Uh, Mighty Love, Games People Play, One of a Kind, Love Affair. Yeah, man, it's a shame. One of a kind, love Affair. Love Don't Love Nobody, Love or Leave. Man, working my way back to you. Come on. Yeah. Come on. You, so you count that many songs, you're like, okay, why aren't they already in? You know, it's like. Come on. I don't know, man. That kind of, I going up, yeah, I don't know. See, again, they, des they deserve to be in there. They deserve to be in there. They're not a one-hit wonder. No, no. They, it's a huge body of work. Uh, you know, it makes you, you know wonder who, you know who else isn't a one-hit wonder. Yo, the White Stripes. Next there on, you go. well, you know how I feel about the White Stripes. Yes, they should be in there. And for just two people, they make a hell of a lot of noise. And I would say they're almost like the last real rock band that made a difference. You know, for me anyway. Right. I, they're kind of like the last. When you write the history of rock and roll, they're kind of the ones that shut the door and turned out the lights. Here's Seven a weird. Here's a weird you know, thing Seven about Nation the. Army might be the last rock song that was ever in the top forty, right? Here's a weird thing, John. This is one yeah. of the few bands that you and I were into at the exact same time. When they came out, yeah, we were both into we're the. Usually, we're usually we're usually ahead of the curve or behind the curve, right? And we were we were into them right when they were here, right? And it was like. It's kind of an unusual thing. It was like when you the know. garage band, there was like the Hives, uh, the White Stripes, all these little garage bands were making a huge, it kind of came back. In the, the, yeah, the Strokes, yeah. the Leave. It seemed like that was going to be a thing. It didn't quite happen. Uh, and then all the way up to like, um, I guess some people would throw the Black Keys in there too. Right. They're, they're more bluesy, but all these guys, it seemed like there was going to be a garage band revival. I think you and I were huge fans of the hives and it's right. That almost seems like it seems terrible that they didn't just become the biggest band out there. You know? uh, that's where we stole. Uh, that's why I stole your new favorite podcast. That's they, right. they were your new favorite band. The, the I wonder hives. how many people uh, ever picked up on that. A bunch of Swedes wearing uh, Kentucky Colonel outfits. Uh, yeah, did we see them? I saw them live. You that saw them live. I never saw them live. The the live show was insane, and to see them all wearing suits. Yes, they're all wearing those string ties, but they're all wearing matching suits and like white, you know, right. white shoes, you know. And you, they had a real flair for showmanship, and it was like it was like ten guys in the band, right? And uh, they really put on a hell of a show. It's too bad that Garage Rock didn't make a comeback. You know, it just it, it was did like a year. Where it, it did like for a year or two. Happen. Yeah. 
and I guess that was it. It was the strokes, the hives, uh, the white stripes, you know. Uh, what was the other one? There was um, – um, uh, I want to th- say um, – The leaves. The one that turned into um, – They were from Australia or – there was a band from Australia out at that time yeah. um, that I can't think of. Who did yeah, Black it- Betty? Blam, blam, whoa, black man. No, that well, wasn't a lot of A lot of people have covered that. That was the 70s, and that goes back to Lead Belly. That's a really old song. But yeah, Ram Jam did it in the 70s. Did somebody do it like around the 90s? Or yeah, who did it? Um, uh, who would that have been? Well, somebody needs to look that up. It's funny. That song has a Every like 20 years, somebody revives that right, song. Right, right. And if you ever hear the original, it's Lead Belly, it's like him. And a guitar singing into like a tin a tin pan, you know. It's right, like, right, right. It sounds like he's recording in a bucket. It's the most lo-fi thing you ever heard. Calais, Calais, are you are you uh, familiar with the White Stripes? Just the song, just like they're really popular. So, like, uh, I can tell you and I are going to be friends, probably. Mm-hmm. You know that one, the one from the, Napoleon Dynamite, the one that Jacob was just singing into the mic. Which was yeah. which was what was it, Jake? Seven Nation Army couldn't hold me back. Mm-hmm. Boom, 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 boom. That's like another one bites the dust. Every sport, every game, right? A lot of, a lot of football games now. Uh, what, I was at a Dodger game. I was at a Dodger game uh, one night, and Jack Black was in attendance. He, he shows up at Dodger games once in a while, and uh, they were playing. They do play Seven Nation Army, like going into like the eighth inning if if the Dodgers are behind, and they yeah, they cut to Jack Black in the crowd, and he did one of these. He did one of these. Like, yeah, I'm getting paid, baby. I'm getting paid. It's pretty oh, good. That must have been Jack White. You mean I'm Jack sorry, White. Jack White. What did I say? Jack okay. Black? It was Jack White. Was it Tenacious D? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Tenacious D was out there. That no, was Jack White, and he did one of these. Like, yes, daddy's you know, getting I, paid. They, they were an insane live band. I saw the White Stripes a couple times live, and they were an insane live band. And like you said, Mario, two, it was a hell of a racket coming out of two people. Right. You basically got guitar, drums, and vocals. And he's doing all the singing, you know, and, you know, for two people, they used to say cream made a hell of a racket for three people. The white stripes, it sounds like there's five people up there. It's two people. Right. So I don't know. They were amazing. And um, I, I'd say absolutely they belong in there. And this must be like the first time they qualified, right? Maybe. Yeah, probably. It's gotta be. Yeah. I, I like the white stripes. So I'm, I'm biased. Do you, do you think they, they should go in there? I think so. I'm biased though. I'm biased. I think they're the last great rock and roll band. This is my kind of rock and roll. This isn't all that uh, uh, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, Nirvana bullshit. This is rock. This is, I'm kidding. I I don't know. I don't know how Soundgarden isn't rock. I'm (laughs) kidding. Maybe it's too much. Maybe it's too much wall of too much. Maybe it's too much for my little pea brain, my little dinosaur brain. I get what you're saying. Yeah, for those of us who enjoy some nice complexity, it's really not nice. exactly yeah, you know. what I meant. Yeah. But yeah. that reminds me of this time. One time, I'm, this reminds that reminds me of this time. I uh, there was two guys in a bar and they were arguing, and I got to overhear it. And they were saying about one of them was talking about music, and one goes, "Oh yeah, I listen to complex stuff, okay, like Kansas." That's what he said. Um, there you go. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know me. I'll argue the other direction. If people want to get complicated, I'll go. You know, there's nothing like question mark in the mysterious. <laughs> it's like, 
a guy playing the keyboard with two fingers, and, you know, you got a 15-year-old drummer, and you know, uh, that, I always, I just have to be contrarian. They'll go, oh yeah, well I like complex music. Oh yeah, how about the seeds? You're pushing too hard, man. <laughs> uh, Jake, who's next? The last on our list for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is Warren Zevon. Zevon. Warren Zevon put him in. Zevon. Uh, put him in body of work. Not only did was he a great singer songwriter, he wrote so many songs for so many other people. Uh, yeah, and uh, just an amazing, amazing uh, writer. Uh, very like very much like Ray Davies. John tells a story. Is very Absolutely. dry, funny. Uh, Werewolves also, of London. Like, like you, like you said, like Randy Newman too. Right. He's singing. He's, yeah, you're right. There's characters, there's story, there's all this stuff going on. Right. He's conjuring an entire world in one song, you know. Calais, are you familiar at all with uh, Warren Zevon? So uh, Werewolves of London. He, Werewolves of London is his most famous song, which I don't know if you've never heard. And it's, it's Every Halloween. Every he, Halloween they play Werewolves. It's a great song, and it's weird that that's his most famous, because to him that was like a little throwaway. And it does what did not he say he had a great line. He said, This is a this is a dumb song for smart people. Yeah. <laughs> uh it's um it's sad that that's his that's his legacy because he is so much deeper than that. But it's sure, a great song. Sure. It is a great song sure. nonetheless. But I would recommend when we when we break uh Calais, uh, uh listen to um a song called Desperados Under the Eaves. And it's about a uh, it's about a gentleman who is struggling with um with alcoholism and uh, just a very beautifully written, written song. And boy, do I wish I could uh, sing like that air conditioner in that song. But uh, that whole album that that comes with is a self-titled album. It was actually his second album. It's a self-titled called Warren Zevon starts with the ballad of, of Frank and Jesse James, which is a great song. And then the whole album is good. That's the one that has a uh, pitiful me on it too, mm. uh, which is another great song. But uh, yeah, that ends up, I think it ends with, um, oh no, it doesn't end with it. I think it's the second to last song, but Desperados Under the Eaves is the name of the song. Check it out. He are, he also wrote a song on there called uh, uh, Carmelita, which Linda Ronstadt covered. And she- Linda Ronstadt's covered many of his songs. Yeah. yeah. He wrote a yeah. lot of songs. She did, she did a great job covering him. And uh, Carmelita, either version, but his version is really, really sad. That's about, a, uh, that's another song about drug addiction that's uh, just amazing. Um when my brother was sick, when he was, when I was driving out to Hemet every week, um, I was going through a Warren Zevon kind of phase and, uh, boy, you couldn't have asked for a, a better companion to drive, you know, like, you know, 75, 80 minutes one way. It, it was great. Wow. Yeah. It was really fantastic. So, uh, uh, a lot of those songs, even though I don't think my brother was that familiar with Warren Zevon now, uh, now that he's gone, a lot of those songs remind me of my brother. So it's mm. kind of uh, it kind of holds a special place in my heart. But yes, he should definitely be in. Uh, yeah, hall. yeah, for sure. As just as a as a writer. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I would definitely of all the people on the list, that is one person you whose work you want to explore. Because again, very sometimes very theatrical, sometimes very theatrical mm. and very, um, but great writing, very funny um, storytelling, storytelling, mm. very witty. Are you yeah. familiar at all, uh, Jake? Um, I know the song Werewolves of London. That's a great song. Oh, it is. It's a novelty, but it's a great, it's funny. That's a funny song. And you know, the fact that he name checks 
Lon Chaney and Lon Chaney Jr. Right. God, I got I love. I love that the right. first time I heard uh, it. I saw a werewolf at Trader Vic's, and his <laughs> hair was perfect. <laughs> yes, that's just a great. Yeah. That's a great line. Uh, okay, yeah, well then, uh, let us know who you think. Who are your votes? Pick five, everybody, of those uh, that you think should go in. For me, it's going to be the White Stripes. It's going to be Warren Zevon. It's going to be Quest, for sure. Rage, and of course, Soundgarden. Ah, I'm that that fifth pick, I'm going to have to see. I'm going to see. What do you for guys me, say? Who are who are your picks, guys? Your five picks for going in. Soundgarden, Soundgarden, Rage Against the Machine, White Stripes, Warren Zevon, for sure. All right. Me too, John. Same. Calais? Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm uh, familiar enough with people's music to make a call, but I think Missy Elliott should go in. I'm on the cusp. I, th- I think, uh, like, it's miss- it's between Missy Elliott and, like, two other people for me. Uh, but, you're, you're like, now that I'm thinking of her entire body of work. already in. What? And Willie. Yeah, see? There's no way, you know, I, I know there's no way Willie Nelson's not getting in. Here's the thing with Missy Elliott. She's going to get in no matter what, just because of, it's a question of when. It's a yeah, question yeah. of when, I think. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Let us know what you guys think. What, that was a fun, we never spend that time talking about any one topic. So that was, that was kind of fun. And that ate up a lot of the show. Thank God that did a lot of the heavy lifting for me. <laughs> So it's time to move on. Our movie this week is time for the Digital Movie Club. We just we talked about. It. I did not expect us to talk about that that long, but that was fun. Uh, um, Waiting for Guffman was our movie this week. Jake, are you ready to give us the breakdown? Yeah. All right. Just a moment. My man, Jake. Uh, this is a Christopher Guest movie. Christopher Guest, of course, uh, part of uh, the lead guitarist of Spinal Tap, and. Oh. Uh, uh, Nigel the, the, the six-fingered man, if you're a Princess Bride fan. Uh, That's right. Yeah, he was the six-fingered right. man. yes. He took a year of our life. Uh, <laughs> it would have been great if he would have done that as, as uh, what was his name? What was his name in this movie? I forgot his name. Oh, Corky. Yeah, Corky. <laughs> that will cost you one year of your life. Um, go, are you ready to go, Jake? Yes. Take it away. Waiting for Guffman, released January 31st, 1997, directed by directed and written by Christopher Guest. Uh, I think also written with uh, Eugene Levy um, with a budget of $4 million. What uh, what do we think the box office was? John. I John. can't remember if this was a hit. $4 million, you say? $4 million of a budget. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, people probably went because I think I went because of the Spinal Tap connection. So yeah, I don't know. Let's say five million. Okay, I'm gonna say it probably didn't do well. I'm gonna say two million. Two million, Clay. What do you think you made? Three million. <laughs> what are you prices writing me? You son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Come on if, down. We're playing, if we're playing prices right rules close without going over would be Mario with a total box office of 2.9 million ha! Lost, so lost, lost some money he says this became a cult hit later on this, and this kind of opened the door for the other movies like Best in Show and A Mighty Wind and For Your Consideration which are all Highly regarded. This is the bottle rocket of this universe. This is the 
This is the bottle rocket of this universe, but uh, right, right, definitely it, paved the way for shows like The Office, like Parks and Rec, kind of the mockumentary, like, the mockumentary yeah. style. Well, we were just talking about that. John, John brought up the Ruddles. The Ruddles really paved the way for stuff like Spinal Tap. Right. Uh, so you know, it's, that's got to be the first mockumentary, <laughs> right? They're all it's all one line. It's like one solid line. Uh, this is the one, really though. This is the first one to deal with just like. The Christopher Guest movies tend to, well, at least this one and Best in Show, tend to deal with just like regular people or a, who are supposed to be people who are supposed to be average Joes. I think, um, although in a very particular, average. very in in very in very particular uh, circles. So in this one, it's obviously community theater. In Best in Show, it's people in dog shows, and so uh, you know. Um, uh, uh, but uh, to me, the 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 fascinating things about these is that most of this stuff is improv. Uh, most right. of these, most of this work is, is improv work. So for people to be consistently that funny, I mean, there are obviously some bits that are always in there. Like uh, J- John brought up that Catherine O'Hara's hair is always crazy in these movies. Uh, there's always like one part that's like permed straight up or hair sprayed straight, straight up no matter what on, uh, on her character. Uh, Fred Willard always plays kind of a dullard. Uh, that's kind of his that's kind of his that's kind of his shtick uh that goes back to that goes back to fernwood tonight right. when he played jerry hubbard <laughs> he was like the the sidekick you remember that Martin yeah Paul? i never watched and it he, but he was he was kind of like an ethnic man but you know always a little a behind always ahead of, you know always behind always a little a little dim oh, he plays it so good fred yeah. willard is really a national treasure uh, okay, not I having agree. seen this movie, oh, you know what? It our special guest. You are, you are a guest. We are your hosts, Calais. What is your pleasure? What, are you familiar? Were you familiar with any of these movies that I've just mentioned? Spinal Tap, or Best in Show, or Mighty Wind, or any of those? No. No, I am not familiar. So this was your first foray into the world of the mockumentary, but you're used to it now because of shows like The Office, like like Jake. Like just, The Office, like, Parks and Rec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Familiar with the style, but from this era and everything, right. this was it. Right. So what 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 are your thoughts? What did you think initially? <clears throat> uh, my initial thought was okay. So the whole movie is going to be about is going to be one big gay joke. <laughs> That was my initial thought. Uh, I love the concept of it being semi-improvised. And then when I was, like, Google searching it more and stuff after the fact, like, it inspired a ton of little troops in Chicago and New York to do improv shows of Red, White, and Blaine. So, I mean, it was very influential for the documentary, but also for the improv community. Right. That's great. Right. You know what's funny? It's it's funny to watch things now. Like we've talked about this on the podcast when you're talking about things like one big gay joke. So, you know, we, we always think about that. We talked about this in the eighties. Like we talked about this with the eighties music where um, people like George Michael were obviously gay and either we didn't catch it or we were just like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's just like oblivious or didn't care. We were oblivious or didn't care. But yet, in the but yet we were talking because we we were all shocked when we watched, um, we watched a movie called uh, Trading Places with Eddie Murphy, which is very funny. 
And we were talking about how progressive it was. It was progressive, like this whole idea that the cops are after Eddie Murphy because he's black and he's homeless and that we're going, wow, they're really, they're really making all these really progressive statements that this movie totally holds up. And then in the last 15 minutes, there's Dan Aykroyd in blackface. And we're like, oh my God, I forgot this was even a thing. And why was this still happening in 1983, right? 1983, we think, yeah. we think of that as fairly modern. We do because we live through it. You may not, Kalei, but we think of 1983 as fairly modern, right? So now you're thinking 1996, we're, we're on the cusp. We're on the cusp of the year 2000, right? Y2K is here. Or as we call it in our circles, the coming of, uh, of Kalei is what we were calling it back then. Back <laughs> I think that was in the, I think that was in, I think that was in the Mayan calendar as well. Uh, but it is funny to, it is, it is funny, not funny, haha, but funny, strange to see that so late in a movie where you're obviously doing, but at the same time, and that seems like, and this is what this, I'm going to, uh, John, I'm going to kind of ruin your, your take a little bit. You know, I asked John, what did you think of this movie? He said, I loved it when it came out. And now that I was watched it again, he said it felt a little awkward because it felt like they were punching down, which mm-hmm. is usually in comedies you feel like you're you're punching. Like you can see people like, you know, the dog show people in Best in Show. It's like, yeah, people get obsessed with these dogs and it's easy to poke fun at that, right? And take the piss out of it. And them, take yeah. the piss out of it. But yeah. in this one, it's like these are, there are people like that, to think there are people that do this with their lives and it is a big deal to them. And it's like, do we really want to be making fun of that? It felt a little sad. I don't remember it feeling sad when I saw it, when it came out. Right. This time around, I thought this seems a little sad. Like you're, you're poking fun at these people. This is like, kind of like their whole life. Well, and it's not, it's not like puncturing somebody who's pompous and full of shit. And, uh, it has power. You know? Right. So, yeah. Well, we were just talking about the saddest character in the movie is Parker Posey. Right. Uh, because she a yeah. she plays it so earnestly, she, she plays, plays it. Straight almost, she yeah. plays it straight, and then she just ends up like this is her big shot, and she ends up back at working at Dairy yeah, Queen, back, right? Back yeah. at the Dairy Queen, and, and also the Dairy Queen. Now she's at the Alabama Dairy Queen, right? She's like she had to move, you know. So. Somehow things are worse for her. Yeah. What about Sheila? No one wants to go save Sheila from her marriage to Ron. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. My, what was the line? It was like yeah. it was an interview, and she's like, "Yeah, she hasn't cried this much since the day we got married." That's such a great line. Mouthing his lines as he's saying, "Yeah, yeah, right." I love when he said that scene backstage where. uh where he, he's like, okay, yeah, do this. He's, he's making him do the makeup. He's like, yeah, finish this, and then you could go, you could go do your thing, because she's still kind of prepared, right? And what she says that he gives her like three hour note sessions after they do a scene together at home. Right, right. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, they're more about you. Yeah, yeah. right, 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 yeah. right. Um, that that is there are some that that is not to say that there's there are not some genuine laughs in the movie. Um, it is funny, but I, yeah, John, that kind of, that tone kind of struck me as well. And Ooh, I was not, noticing. I was not prepared. I was not prepared for it being as sad as it was. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, luckily the stuff with, with Cor or with, was is it Corky? Is it Cor- Corky yeah. St. Clair? Um, Eugene Levy's character, Dr. Alan Pearl. That's, he's my favorite character. That were really great. He's my favorite. Yeah. And I love his wife. My wife and I were really enamored with his wife. She's I love. so supportive and wonderful. Dude, there's a, there's a really beautiful scene where, where he 
uh, he comes out and he does his piece and she wants to like clap and she stops herself and she's looking oh. around to see if anybody else is looking like, is anybody else like, is anybody else see my husband up there? She was such a great character. My wife was yeah. like, she was like by far my favorite character because she was just so supportive and, uh, and loving intervention. She was like, she was like, oh, my God, I didn't know how talented. Like, I knew he was good, but uh, <laughs> she was, like, gushing about her. Husband. It was so cute. It's very cute. Mm-hmm. I dream. Oh, I was doing that to John on the phone last night. I dream of Jeannie. Oh, my God, the audition the of one of the guys who was, like, he was doing a, he was doing a scene from Raging Bull. <laughs> Oh yeah, you fuck my wife. No, there's no emotion. <laughs> yeah, you fuck my wife. What are you talking about? Did you what fuck my wife? About? You're going, wow. Did you fuck my wife. That, Turns around. That's, <laughs> that's how that would play if you read it with no emotion. Right. <laughs> he was just, you could tell the guy was like a like a mattress salesman or something. Like just a, just a regular <laughs> guy reading. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I wish the. I, like watching it again, it, this movie always makes me laugh. But watching it this time, I really wish they didn't make like there was plenty to make fun of with the ego of like you said, like Fred Willard's character, like the husband, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, like you know the the girl working at the Dairy Queen who wants to be an actress and this may be her only ticket seems like such an such low hanging fruit for right, right. for this kind of parody. So it, yeah. yeah, so it it came off as a little sad this time. Although I still can't explain. So I want someone to explain to me why Christopher Guest had his sh- pants on backwards. I think he was doing crisscross. <laughs> I think I it was a crisscross thing. Why are when he was doing the little dance number in his apartment? Or God, that house? that made me laugh though. That's a great I know, dance. What year was what year was crisscross? It, it, it had to have been it had to have been a crisscross reference. What were you gonna say, Kali? I saw you were gonna. I was going to say it also made me laugh, but it made me laugh because I was thinking about like everything that's going on on TikTok with Gen Z fashion (laughs) and redoing the 90s and maximalism. And I was like, that outfit would like if this movie came out right now, that outfit would go viral on TikTok. (laughs) Yeah, Crisscross is like 92. So it could have been like a Crisscross reference. Bring back the bring back the reversed pants, you know. I want to do that dance. I want to learn how to do that dance. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I will say. Guest, he really commits. When when he commits to a character, he really commits. Well, know? then Eugene Levy, like w- Eugene Levy's so good. Like, okay, like here's the thing I was thinking about. I mean, it's in every cartoon. The person doing an audition and they do the off, uh, you know, they do the, the singing and they can't quite get the voice. That's the oldest joke in the book. And somehow right. when Eugene Levy does it, it's still funny. It's like he makes right. it. He makes it funny, and then he's doing the thing where he's, I've got, I've got, uh, I've got a floating eye, and the, you know he takes off the glasses, and then he crosses his eyes. It's so dumb and it's so broad, but he makes it work. It's like the guy <laughs> somehow he's somehow he makes all that work. Uh, you know, you know, you think about him going all the way back to Second City Television. He always just nailed it. You know, no matter what character he was doing, he just nailed it. Right. Uh, are you familiar with Schitt's Creek, uh, uh, Kalei? Uh, I'm not. I mean, I've seen a few episodes, but I'm not familiar. Did, were you, did, you, re- did you realize that was the dad from Schitt's Creek? Did you, you, you? I did, yes. The eyebrows give it away. The eyebrows give it away. And then that's the mom. The mom is the the mom from, from Schitt's Creek is the the wife of the, of the mm-hmm. jerk. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in a lot of those movies. They they always turn up in the uh, in the Christopher get. How much would we have to pay you, uh, Kalei, to do that with your hair? Would you? I think we're really underestimating my uh, my willingness to do <laughs> the whole shebang. Like if I'm in a shoulder padded, bedazzled out '80s blazer. Maybe some like hot pink shoes. Like we have to have the poop. Oh my god! This is I love this. Hairspray will it take? Oh my gosh! This is what this is what we need on this podcast. Someone to commit to the bit. That's what we need on this show. I'm I'm happy to have it. Uh, Jake, who was your favorite character? Who was your favorite of the? Um, I mean, usually Levy's character. I just thought. Yeah, he's so so funny, but just like just also so wholesome at the same time. You know, he like mm-hmm. stumbled into it, and he's like, "Yeah, he's like, I don't, I don't want to." What did he say? He was like, "Oh, I don't know." He's like, "Now I like, I don't want to like get too excited because now I feel like I've been wasting my time." Oh, he's a dentist. Yeah, he's, just, <laughs> he's wasting his time being a dentist. Doctor Alan Pearl. Yeah, John. Who was your favorite of all the? Uh performers uh i i like i always like fred willard the best um even though he's a jerk even though he's a jerk he's always a kind of a lovable jerk you know Mm -hmm. but um i was thinking about the like uh i was thinking about uh christopher guest movies i enjoyed more like a mighty wind you know i think when they're doing uh when they're doing musical acts I think it really works because those people are always full of ego anyway, you know. Right, 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 right. It seems more on the mark. But, no, I like everybody in this. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. It's just that I wasn't prepared for it being as sad as it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched it. And I went, well, I don't remember back when I saw this when it first came out. I don't remember it being quite this sad. Right. You know, yeah. you're watching these, these scenes and you're practically, you know, cringing. The uh, first half is super – the first half really kind of like – Digs its heels into yeah, like the comedy, and then the second half, like oh. By the oh. time Bentley shows up, by the time Paul Benedict shows up, and they slowly reveal that that wasn't Guffman, yeah, and you just go, oh, this is tragic. He's just all, no, I'm just here to, you know, I'm. He's all, oh, and I, can I have this balloon? I'm going to a birthday party, <laughs> right? Or my, yeah, you're just going, oh, the look on their faces that he's not the guy. Somehow they got the idea that he was Guffman, you know. Yep. Kalai. Great to see Paul Benedict in something that's not the Jefferson. <laughs> Kalei. 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 Hello, Kalei. <laughs> I keep doing that. It's fun to do. I'm sorry. I, don't hate me. Um, no, you're fine. Tell us who your favorite character was in the movie. Who did you, who were you rooting for the most? Dr. Pearl. Right. I, I want I was rooting for Dr. Pearl, his storyline, like he was so happy. I wanted to get Sheila out of that marriage. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so painful, so painful. From yeah. teacher's pet to just ending back up at the DQ. Like I just I was like, you need a whole new town, you need better friends. That is a great when she's doing teacher's pet and she's doing her cheerleading moves. It's so brilliantly awkward. It's just so yeah. good. And and the great she thing about Parker... She wants it. She just wants it so bad. You, you got to like, give it to oh, Parker poor. Posey. It's a great performance. It's it's almost mm-hmm. a dramatic performance. And uh, John and I were saying it is. It's a dramatic performance. She's not really doing comedy. She's This is like she's, a... Yeah. She seems like the only one in the movie who's absolutely playing it straight. You know? Right. And then I think she's I think she's in every one of these after after this movie. She's in all of them. Right. I think he said we we gotta have her every every time I'm doing one of these, I right. gotta have her back, you know. 
I loved her her moment at the end where she's like smoking her cigarette and she's like, I guess I just move on. <laughs> yeah, she's like, well, I guess I'll just try and make a healthy blizzard. Yeah. <laughs> a healthy blizzard. Uh, and she's smoking. Uh, so good. Yeah. Um, um, again, the it was just the punchline of the movie being that like Corky has that effeminate, stereotypical gay voice. Right. Just playing into like it was like, okay, if we take the stereotypical gay voice and we take the stereotypical um, musical theater person and right. we stamp them together, we've got a hilarious game. It was almost too easy. It was almost mm. too easy. It was almost too easy. And it was just very surprising coming off of the AIDS movement. Well, it's I'll tell you what, the AIDS movement didn't really slow that stuff down. I mean, you still had a lot of that going on in the 90s. Uh, you still had a, a ton of that. Um, uh, I can think of, well, then you think of stuff that, you know, stuff that kind of turned it. I mean, there were, there were, there were moments where it was celebrated. Like in John and I, one of our favorite movies is a a movie that we both like is Victor Victoria. That kind of, uh, steered it in a different direction. Uh, where they, about the birdcage, the birdcage. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So you, you, the voice, the voice he's doing for Corky. Christopher Guest, one of the first things he did, he was with National Lampoon Radio Show and uh, some of the stage shows, and he used to do a uh, take-off on Mr. Mr. Rogers, and that's pretty much the voice he was using. Uh, you know, hi, hi. Today we're going to talk to a bass player. It's a great big instrument, isn't it? You know, makes great big sounds. <laughs> so he's almost doing, you know, and he did that with Bill Murray. It was a whole thing where, you know, it was Mr. Rogers interviewing a bass player, and Bill Murray's all, oh, man, it's too early in the morning, man. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, you just rolled out of bed, you know, and he's all, you want to tell us all about your instrument? You know, your, your bass player. It's a great big thing, isn't it? <laughs> he's all, yeah, yeah, it's a hell of a thing. Yeah. So then <laughs> I wonder if, oh, go ahead. What, what's that? No, I'm just going to say, so it's almost like he's using the same voice for Corky. He, he's found this voice, you know, this sort of funny, effeminate voice, you know. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that because he also had a character on Saturday Night Live in season 10 in the 80s where he was playing a very similar character to Corky with the same voice, but instead he was like a water aerobics instructor. Yes, with Martin Short. Oh, with Martin yeah. Short. Martin Short, yeah. yes. It was, it was synchronized uh, swimming, right? That is still yeah. a very, very, yeah. very, 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 very uh, uh, well-remembered uh, short. He was a little film. Yeah, he, was, he, he was only on that, like, one season, I think. He, right. Christopher Guest, Billy Crystal... I think some of those guys are only on the show like one season. Right. It yeah, seems like a natural. Could be argued yeah. as a criticism to Christopher Guest for reusing, but then it's also, it mirrors back what society finds funny. I'll tell you what, he, he also kind of, but here's one thing. He also kind of does a variation of that voice for the six-fingered man. If you think about it, in in because well, he's supposed to be like sort of foppish, you know? right, right, right. Like the the typical bad guy from like an old, Me. you know, the Scarlet Pimpernel. You know what you or, just you know, discovered? Captain you know what Blade. you just discovered, Calais? You just discovered that Christopher Guest <laughs> is very limited in his ability <laughs> to do to do more than one character. <laughs> well, what's funny? Then you have to think. It's so funny how completely different Nigel Tufnell is. Right, doing sort of like this this snotty. You know, sort of uh, British rocker, and you go, but, man, that's that's two different universes. So he really is, he really does have a talent for he does different voices. He does, but yeah, no, you're right. You're you're absolutely right because that is the, that would be the stereotypical, uh, that would be the stereotypical character of that 
of like a Broadway show, right? Of course. Of course, he's going to have a list. It's like a cheap shot. It's the sort of thing you see like in movies from the 30s and 40s. The cheap shot is the gay character has got this sort of like effeminate voice. Right. And a lot of the comedies, you'd have somebody like Franklin Pangborn or Grady Sutton. You know, you have these guys and it was the cheap shot. You just go, okay. This guy's playing sort of a dweeb, but he's also supposed to be kind of effeminate. Right. And it was sort of like an un, unspoken cheap shot at somebody. Who's well, dead, think of think know? of uh, Singing in the Rain, the guy who does Moses Supposes, the the the, uh, <laughs> right. the linguistics instructor. That's very that's right. like right, right there. Right. That's 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 a perfect example of that that caricature. So with the passage of time, you can't get away with that unless you're sort of addressing it, you know. Right. Right. Although I do love Brian Doyle Murray's look when he comes over. When Christopher Guest is obviously trying to recruit him for the show, his dad comes over and he's just staring at the camera. <laughs> Brian right. Doyle Murray gives that great look to the camera where he's just like, oh, Brian Doyle Murray's so great. He's like, well, when you're done, yeah. I need you to come over in here and look at this Chevy. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. Corky's a predator. He kind of is. He kind of is. A bit, yeah. yeah. Kind of is. Yeah. Oh, you're six one. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> what's weird is he? I think the guy. I think the guy he plays in Best in Show also does the lisp. I don't. Does Christopher Guest just have a lisp, and I'm missing it? <laughs> mm, good question. No, because when he's doing Nigel Tufnell, there's no lisp. Okay, maybe <laughs> I was. Yeah, I was going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was going to give him the benefit of the doubt there. Uh yeah, you know I love stuff like this. I I love uh, Eugene Levy in this. I think you, you for me Eugene Levy is the character that carries it, him and his wife. And you know, and I always love Catherine O'Hara, and I always love uh, Fred Willard. And uh, this time watching it again, uh, Parker Posey was the real revelation for me because it's you, you're right, John. She's she's the only one almost playing it straight. She doesn't quite. She's like I'm yeah. just gonna play this like a real person. And maybe uh, Bob Balaban as the music director kind yeah. of plays it straight too. Uh, yeah. I love all the stuff with like Larry Miller and the guys that are doing the, uh, that like oh, run the city oh, council. Like, Larry <laughs> Miller's always great. Yeah. He's always great. Talk about unsung. Right. You know, he turns up, he turns up in everything and he's always great. Right. You know? Larry yeah. Miller, always good. Uh, yeah, I love like, what he's asking when he's asking for the money. He's like, I thought you were kidding. Are you kidding me? That's 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 beyond our budget for the whole city. You know? Right. Like, <laughs> All right. Let's rank uh, this sucker. Oh, by the way, uh, Booby made a kushka. Uh, I want that song on an album. Uh, when he's at the end, when he's Booby made a kushka, she made it big and fat. Uh, that's uh, I love that. He goes to Miami and he's playing, he's playing a retirement home. Oh my God. What a great uh, joke. I did love yeah. that. I did love that. Uh, Calais, what would you rank this on a, on your scale of one to 10 waiting for Guffman? Like a four. Oh my God. What are you, Justine? <laughs> you're like, you're the designated Justine. I'm not really that. I'm not really that upset. I totally get it. Uh, Jake. I give it like a six. Six is about uh, what I, six is about yeah. what I thought figured it would be. It's okay, John. Yeah, I give it a six. I mean, it's amazing just seeing that level of talent. People becoming the character, right? You know, you got it. You got to give it to them for that. Uh, it gets points off for being for for punching down. Definitely, mm-hmm. there's yep. some stereotypes that we could we could probably do away with. 
And also, uh, but the improv, it's always the improv for me that the fact that they improv a lot of this always boggling. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, the character of, um, uh, Eugene Levy and his wife. I love that relationship. I did. I really yeah. did. I never really paid attention to his wife before. And this time she really, it really got me. I don't know why that moment where she's in the audience and she's so excited to see him perform. Really, yeah. perform. I'm going to give it a six. Give it a six. There you go. I feel harsh. I'm going to, I'm going to retract. No, 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 no. Don't, don't keep it. We don't retract. Don't no. We keep don't it. <laughs> That's your gut reaction. You stick with it. We stay with it. Yeah. You got to go. Yeah. Stick yeah, to your guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Believe, believe me, we've been hurt worse. We watched. Yeah, no, this is Casablanca. Yeah, this is not like if, this is not like if you watched like Empire Shakes Back and were like, eh, three. That would kill me. I'd be like, ugh. <laughs> but you know, if, if you replay, if you replay the show from years ago where we played Casablanca and, and Mario and I just about fall out of our chairs, we'd like do a spit take for like a, a what? <laughs> well, Justine gave it a six because she didn't like Humphrey Bogart's teeth, and we're like, it's the greatest movie ever made, and you're knocking points because of Bogart's teeth. It was also. It was I'm thinking he shows his teeth for exactly like five seconds. It was it's rough. a flashback to Paris, and you're like, all right, he's got bad teeth. It was rough. You get to dock the entire movie for that. You know? Yes, you guys are. He's great. got Bowie. He's got David Bowie teeth. Uh, next week, if we have everyone together, and you are, in cor- of course, invited back, <coughs> Clay. Sorry for that cough there. That was not because of you. Fifth element. How many elements? One, two, three, four, five. Fifth element. Have you ever seen it? Are you familiar with it? You're not. I would love to see what you think of it, never having seen it. Because everybody loves this movie except for you. Yours truly. Oh, I can't wait to watch it. I'm so excited, Mario. I'm starting it at a four. <laughs> just let you guys so see. This will be interesting to see somebody, somebody approaching this movie who's never seen it. Right. This will be like through, it's like taking somebody to Disneyland for the first time. And this They're is someone through their eyes. This know? is someone who's missed out the endless airings on cable. I think this movie built a cult following because it was on cable all the time. Right. Because it was not super well received when it came out, and it kind of built a cult following. I, yeah, I wonder was this a hit? Did this make money? I don't. We can't look. We can't. We'll find out next week. Yeah, save it for the show. Jake will know, but none of us will. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Yeah. Mm. Kalei, do you have any final thoughts you want to add on anything we talked about? Or is there anything you wanted to discuss that we didn't get to? You know, I think everything I had to say made it out. Okay, good. Uh, what we need to talk about, we'll talk about it next week, John. I don't know if you've got a chance to look, but James Gunn released his plan, his eight to 10 year plan for the DC extended universe. Oh, I'll take a look at that. And uh, boy, oh boy, did when he said eight to 10 years, I'm like, can I handle eight to 10 more years of superhero movies? That's really what I thought to myself. That's assuming at some point, uh, you know, the nation's going to hit the wall <laughs> and say, we've had enough. <laughs> I, I, every time I think I have Marvel kind of pull something out where it's like, oh, Spider-Man, yeah. uh, you know, the Spider-Man, the last Spider-Man movie with everybody in it was great. Uh, Black Panther 2 was great. You know, I always think I'm over it and then they kind of pull me back in. But I don't know, eight to ten more years, man. You know what it is? It's because we're so much older now. You know, it's funny. Marvel had a t- Marvel had an eight to ten year plan. I know that Kevin Feige had a great big, right. you know, war room where he had it all up on the boards. You know, right. a great big 
you know, flow chart, you know, how we're going to pull this off. And but it's funny because I turned <laughs> I just turned 61. So I'm thinking 10 years to me now does, is not the same as 10 years when I was just out of high school. Right. 10 years now means if they if they see this plan through, by the time it's done, I'm going to be 71. I'll be 61. <laughs> and it's like, are we going to will be 25. <laughs> That's right. It's Calais. Twenty-five. Uh, I'll be like thirty-one, thirty-two. Oh my God! You're just a baby. You'll you'll still have your entire life, right? Even if they even if they botch this entire DC plan, you'll still have your entire life ahead of you, right? <laughs> you're like eh, thirty-one. I got my whole life ahead of me. Us were like, I guess this was the last shot. <laughs> well, I guess yeah. I guess I'm you never. Know, uh, Mario and I are going to look at each other. We're going to go. You know, they've been trying to get this right for the last thirty years. Yeah, and they just can't pull it off. I'll be like, I guess I'll never see Martian Manhunter, and then I'll just die. I guess I'll I never see, see a good DC movie. I did see one thing where they're going to do a, a Batman movie called The Brave and the Bold. It's going to be a different actor, right. from Robert Pattinson. It's going to be a different Batman universe. Oh, here's the thing from from the one he. So the said, the yeah. one takeaway I will tell you, they are going to continue to do stuff like Matt Reeves Batman, and the Todd Phillips Joker, but they're going to just like in the comics, it's going to be under the title Else Worlds. Ah. So there'll be stuff where they can yeah, still yeah. do one offs, which is yeah, smart. That was. Which is smart. smart. That was yeah. that was smart for DC to do that back in the nineties with the comics. Right, yeah. right. Because if you want, yeah, if you want to do Batman meets Jack the Ripper in the you know the year eighteen ninety nine, that's the only way you can do it. Right, you know? right. Uh, yeah. uh, Kalei, are you a superhero movie fan or no? Yay or nay? Yay. Uh, what is your favorite right. superhero movie? My favorite superhero movie. Oh gosh. Okay, I really liked. I really liked Endgame. All right. Did you cry? Absolutely. Who is your favorite uh, Marvel superhero? Captain America. Good for you. Actually, okay, if I can take that back, it's Peggy Carter when she gets the shield. Oh, in uh, in the what if? In the what if? In the what if universe, yeah. 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 Did you watch Agent Carter? Absolutely, I watched Agent Carter. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to shock you. I don't want to shock you. But um, amongst my many wives, Selma Hayek at Haley Atwell. Oh yeah, Haley. She, I, I know. Yeah, it, it's, she, <laughs> because she she was such so great as Agent Carter. So great. So good. Just kicked so much a. My only complaint about that show is it's cheap, so mm-hmm. it never quite looks like they're in the forties. It looks like they're dressing like it's the forties, but it never right. quite feels like it's the forties. I wish they would go back and redo that with a with a bigger budget because I think that show and that character because deserve that, deserve that much was, more that network that was channel seven right that was right. network television right if that had been like a you know Disney plus Marvel thing they would have given it a bigger budget right uh I if, always if they, I spent the money that they spent on WandaVision you know that would it, have been something it's a great show I think it and, would have kept going too right it's a great show and she does a great job with it she does so good in it and she's so she's such a, it's great I wish they would have done more uh, she deserves a better. She deserves a bigger career. I don't know what she's going to do next. She deserves a career. She's in. Um, wasted, you know. She's coming out in something. She's in. She's in a big movie that's coming out. I can't think of what it is. That's great. That's good news She'll, because I was thinking, you know, now what does she do? You know, they kind of dropped the ball on this character, and she's obviously talented and beautiful. So why can't they find something for her to do? Right. You know? 
give her more Nazis to kill. That's what she needs to do. Uh, let her fight Nazis. Put her in some, yeah, put her in something like Atomic Blonde. You know, have her kicking ass again. Right. You know? Yeah, she could have done it. She did those judo. Or she could, like break into the the like historical dramas. Right. I feel like she would could be really big in that because those are coming back. Uh, yeah, put her on something. But she's in something coming up. I can't think of what it is. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. Uh, yeah, Captain America's great. Um, Spidey, always my favorite. You know, Spidey's the best. But uh, yeah, well, the D- the DC stuff has been disappointing. I really did like that Matt Reeves Batman. Not a lot of people liked it. I loved it. I thought it was true I to the character. It. I loved it. It seemed to me it was half and half. I, I, I've run into just as many people that dug it as people that didn't dig it. So well, they my, unsci- my, uh, my unscientific polling is that it's like 50-50. Right. You know, I guess it made a lot of money, which is why they're going to do another one. But uh, I liked it. Go watch it if you like the Batman. Jake? Yes. Is there any from one from... See, the thing with DC, I don't care about Superman's boring... Make more. They canceled Wonder Woman. She was the only one really interesting aside from Batman. They canceled her movie. It would be nice if they could do if they could just pretend that that Green Lantern movie didn't happen and try that again. Uh, they are doing well. What they're doing is they're doing like Marvel. They're going to do movies and TV. So they have a Lanterns TV show that's coming out. Oh. So they're going to try to reboot. And then, but stuff is going to be able to. It's going to be just like Marvel. Stuff from the shows will make it to the. It's a whole plan. Yeah. Check it out. James Gunn talks about it. So I'll take a look at that. All right. We're going to wrap yep. it up, guys. Uh, so until next week, when we, 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 we possibly might hit the fifth element, uh, uh, for, for Jake, for John, and for our special guest, Kalei. Thank you, Kalei, for coming in. You're welcome to come back next week for Fifth Element. Thank you for having me. And, you know, I, I'll be here next week for Fifth Element. Oh, my God. This is exciting. I think you're going to like Fifth Element. I really think you will. It's not a bad movie. I just don't like it. Can we put okay. that on a continuous loop? Can I get a loop of uh, Mario saying that? It's really not a bad movie. I just I don't like it. Like it's it. not a ba- it's not a poorly made movie. It just does nothing for me. Mm, Maybe I'll like it this butt. time. What if what if this is the time I like it? What if this is the time I like it? What if this what is happened? the time that you're going to like uh, a certain movie we're watching this year, what you happened? know? Uh it probably won't be. You could, it will be, you know. It probably won't be, but you guys will be happy, and that'll make me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm it. here to make you guys. I'm here to have make you, you guys Mario? at my own expense. Oh yeah, were you were you joking, or is that really going to be our anniversary show? Yeah, we can't. We're not going to say anything in case nobody He's was listening. Confirmed more tonight. That's why I didn't say. That's why. I didn't say. Yeah, that's going to be it for the tw- the our the mm-hmm. the tenth anniversary of the show is the twenty third, and then on the I think we're doing the show on the twenty second. And it will be ten that years. movie. Ten, ten years we've been doing this. Well, I've been doing it for ten years. John, I think you've been doing it for about seven or eight. And the kids. I used, like I, used to, I used to know what year it was that I came on, but I. And the kids have been that. doing it for five. And mm-hmm. they're, they're, I think mm-hmm. it's, they're coming up on their five years. So it's been yeah. a long time. And now Kalei is coming in to start. She's going to go from years, probably 10 to 15, I would imagine. <laughs> She'll probably take over. After I drop <laughs> drop dead back here when somebody she she's the next generation yeah you're the next you know she's I'm yeah, talking about you're my you're generation you're gonna take over yeah Kalei are you ready to take over I'll take over if Justine takes over with me listen I don't need this female empowerment in my ranks I will not have it 
Mm-mm. It's too late. We're here now. We're here. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. I, I am. I'm going to douse the water on it. Mm-mm. You're going to live forever. There you go. Fame. That's that reminds you of a song by Oasis. That reminds you of, of, a, of, a, of a song by Oasis. All right. Here he is, Mr. Excitement, Perry Como singing. I'm gonna live. Okay, I gotta call work. So uh, for right. for Jake, for John, for uh, for for Patrick and Justine, we're here for our special guest Clay. Uh, we say this transmission ends now. Fight the power. 